0: They'll say somebody. I'm trying to think. They'll say like Beyonce Obama. <laughs> like you, you, you. I mean, really they have
1: broken the internet, both of them, probably. <laughs> so
0: you'll come on like Al Sharpton's internet and say that. Like it say something <laughs> like that. I'm like, is that a thing? But I like I mean, I think it's funny. That cracks me up. Let me see. I'm gonna be real with you. I'm nervous. I'm oh, always nervous. Why are you nervous? I just always get nervous. <laughs> Like, if I show ah. you all the bloopers from the interviews I've done, everyone, I'm, it's like, <laughs> there's like a run like a, like a of me, like, being nervous. And like <laughs> Trying to get it together. Trying to grab, get grips <laughs> on what's well, going on. I am ready. Okay.
1: I spent some thoughtful time on these questions. I've got
0: thoughts. Me too. I think these are some pretty good questions. I think
1: so. You have me. I was reflecting for a smooth hour and a half.
0: A smooth hour? And a half. Not a rough hour? No, smooth. What does a rough hour look like?
1: Struggling to come up with opinions. Mm. You know, this time it was smooth, though. <laughs> well, rough in that my, my hand was hurting <laughs> because I was writing so much. Um, you know, I'm a lefty, too. But, um, yeah, smooth because I had lots to, lots to say. I was like, yeah, and this and that. So I'm ready.
0: Well, you know what's funny, too, that I think about now because you – I can finally tell you like something you well not tell you I can finally like talk about something and I feel like you understand it. What was the point of cursive? I literally had to learn cursive for a whole year.
1: I wonder. I I don't know. I don't know what the point of cursive was. Now that I think about (laughs) it, like I've actually never thought about that. I've always been like grateful to know how to do cursive. Yeah. What do you think the purpose of it
0: is? I have no idea. I thought it was to write. I thought, you know, when I was younger, I thought I was like, oh, this is how you're going to write paragraphs like, um, what's the guy who wrote the, who wrote the Declaration of Independence?
1: Thomas Jefferson? Yeah, like, you know and how I, you write I don't these. know if I'm right on that.
0: I don't, I don't know who it is. Don't quote me.
1: It's the Founding Fathers.
0: The Founding Fathers. When you write that, you said document is all written in cursive. I thought like, oh, this is how we're going, you know, as adults, this is what we're going to have to write so people can read it. <laughs> but wow. then you think about it like, you can't read cursive.
1: And that's how white people write.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. My grandma writes. Well, that too. I guess
1: we all write like, like at this point, but back then, you get what I mean. For how long? Anyway, he yeah, was
0: hitting it. <laughs> but yeah, I just think about it. Like I remember I wrote an essay, in I remember I was being I was just a, I was such an ignorant student. Okay. I wrote a whole essay in cursive, like multiple pages. And I remember my teacher giving the essay back. <laughs> What a note. Could they read it? What a note owner talking about you need to type this essay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I was just like, dang, I thought I was doing something with this cursive. <laughs> no, yeah. I was
1: real proud of this. I was
0: really getting into my Alexander Hamilton bag <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just really going for it. For real.
1: Did you ever have to trace the cursive too? Do you remember those those little worksheets? I used to love those.
0: It was like trace it and then you like trace it three times and, and then you do it yourself. three times. Man, my talk about a cramp! Your hand looking like this. <laughs> Tired, yeah. Mom, I don't want to write again. I was at school writing all day. <laughs> so I don't want to do my homework. For imagine that imagine not want to do homework when that's your home. That's all your homework was was going home and practicing. <laughs> it's like what? All right, I think I'm ready. Okay. Fun fact: I forgot the intro to this to the Special Friends podcast because it's been a minute. Okay, but
1: think about it welcome bum, to the special bum, friends
0: bum. podcast
1: sorry i was i was i was trying to give you a Go i ahead. was trying to give you an intro song oh was but it? i interrupted you
0: what's the intro song okay okay
1: if i had some some drums right now i'd add a little drum right Go there for it.
0: <laughs> yeah have the beat drop i need chapstick my lips are ash <laughs> I feel them.
1: I'm mine? Mine ashy, too?
0: I have a Carmex stick in here that's been used a lot.
1: It's got a oil.
0: Oh, Whoa. now I got a Burt's and Bees now. Burt's Bees is good. Burt's and Bees is pretty good. The black and Bees use a Blistex and
1: Carmex, uh, Carmex? Carmex is going to dry your lips out. You, do you disagree in your experience? Are you just... Just addicted like most Carmex users.
0: I feel like in the winter my lips are dry, so anything that's going keep me from licking my lips. You need to keep some coconut oil on you. Coconut. Coconut oil. Does it work good? Yeah. For everything. Everything. Have you ever done the little coating in the mouth thing? Coating. Yeah.
1: Um. I've never had access. Isn't that a prescription?
0: The what? The coconut oil. Coating. Like no. Like oh, C O A T I N G. <laughs> 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 Two different places <laughs> I was like Codeine What I was, like,
1: I was thinking What too
0: I was like "She's like Whoa this is a left turn <laughs> This is turning quick
1: <clears> No <throat> I was talking
0: about Like I saw this thing Where it's like You can coat your mouth With the oil And it's supposed to help
1: Oh yeah Whiten uh, your teeth Yeah That's not what you were Going to say was it
0: It was like It's like whitening But it's also like It's supposed to help Like keep bacteria, bad bacteria and whatever.
1: Yeah, coconut oil is perfect for everything.
0: It's crazy how stuff like that is out there and then people, you can like do everything with it and it's like we still don't use it though but like <laughs> we can cook with it. You can use it on your skin. You can do you all can these different things. You can with it. Yes. But it's like nah, we're gonna still use cocoa butter <laughs> and Vaseline on the face.
1: And Carmex on the lips.
0: Well, Carmex is different. Uh, mm. That's a tradition. <laughs> True. But Welcome to the Special Friends Podcast. Um, I'm going to be real. I this. I mean, pe- the people who listen to this podcast already know that I'm so inconsistent with this podcast. But I, for- I couldn't find the notes for the intro, so I'm going to skip the intro this time. <laughs> but I do know it's a podcast where I get special friends and we have special conversations. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's perfect.
1: Concise and to the point.
0: Exactly. But, yeah, we're here with someone special. I met we're actually in old soul in sacramento which is where we actually met yeah funny because it was like right setting over there. up another podcast
1: <laughs> <laughs> was it for special friends
0: <laughs> that was for creative balance mm. so setting that up and then we had a quick conversation and cool people you know yeah like really 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 cool person but I'll let her you introduce yourself.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. I was curious about your podcast setup, which is how we started like talking because mm-hmm. I, I don't know, dream of having a podcast again one day, I guess. But yeah, I'm, um, my name is Ali Boyd. I'm a professor. Should I? I'm a professor. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I love talking. I love communicating. I'm a professor of communication, actually. That's where my expertise is. That's where my passion is. And just um, connecting with people through voice, to be <laughs> real. So I don't know what else to, to to say about myself right right at this point, I guess.
0: I guess I, I, every time I watch an interview and they talk about, like, people introducing themselves, they always ask them, like, if you're on a flight and someone asked you, you know, what do you do? It's like, how would you, like, what what was that sentence looking like?
1: Okay. Um... Yeah, my name is Ali Boyd, aka Professor B, in the classroom, okay. and I traditionally teach public speaking. Mm. That's that's my bread and butter. But I can teach other communication classes. You might see me teaching argumentation, see me teaching like small group communication or media and society, um, interpersonal communication, anything that helps people understand how to use their voice effectively or understand voices in different contexts.
0: So what was that second one you said? You said after public speaking you said it was something argumentation? Oh, argumentation. Okay. I thought you I, I'll say what does that class look like? Debates. Ah.
1: I'm um, on hot hot uh hot takes and unpopular opinions.
0: So let me ask you, could we live I feel like we live in an era of hot takes. What is the art of a hot take?
1: Well, see, it's twofold. It's like Partly being able to concisely And effectively express Your thoughts Your own opinion Your own hot take You know it's like And it's it's that your take is actually hot It's not common knowledge It's not a take that you can just google With reading one or two articles That's That's just a regurgitation of someone else's hot take Uh. Hot take is original And it also gets people talking Okay It gets people disagreeing or expanding.
0: You get yeah. what I'm saying? Do you have any hot takes off the dome I think hot that take?
1: cereal, the best way to enjoy cereal is pouring the milk first.
0: That's a pretty hot take.
1: <laughs> Most disagree. I do start arguments in my classroom about that.
0: Th- what's the theory? I need to know the theory behind that because that's a crazy, that is a very hot take. Well, I'm not going to say you're wrong because <laughs> I've seen it happen. I just want to understand what's the logic Okay. And what's the milk? How do you get the milk to cereal ratio properly?
1: Hear me out, okay? Because I'm the type of person that likes to drink my cereal milk. Okay. First of all, I don't want my cereal milk to be room temperature by the time I drink it. And the more cereal that you add, the sooner it is to turn room temperature. You get what I'm saying? It's like adding um, room temperature things to... Cold yeah, it's like liquid. putting avocado in a burger. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's perfect. I guess. <laughs> wait, does your burger get colder with.
0: Either the avocado gets warmer or the or the yeah. burger gets colder. It's a bu- what- bunch
1: of cold toppings, like avo plus the tomato plus the lettuce. And it's like it's like half salad, half hot burger.
2: Mm-hmm. So you know? let me ask you. Like- wait, I didn't finish though. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: sorry. I don't mean to cut you off, but there's a whole theory behind this. Oh, a theory. It's not just the temperature of the milk, it's also keeping the cereal crunchy. I'm not a fan of soggy cereal. I'm a texture person. So just a nice thin layer of cereal at a time. Okay, pour a thin thin layer of cereal on top. Eat that up. Pour you another little thin, thin, thin layer of cereal. You don't have to worry about soggy cereal floating to the bottom when you drink your milk. You're not also eating soggy cereal You you get what I'm saying? It's a nice, consistent flow of crunchy cereal, cold milk. And when you're done, you've had enough bowls or layers of cereal.
0: I'm starting to see the picture here. You see what I'm saying? starting to see the picture. I
1: also grew up in a house with like two other siblings who would get the cereal first, and I would default to the milk. Uh, So I also think it's like just a habit at this point, mm. but partly I have rationalized (laughs) it also.
0: So let me ask you. Do you eat your cereal slow? No. Interesting. That
1: contributes to the soggy factor.
0: I was about to say I was like, because I when I because I'm a you know I guess I would say I'm I'm a cereal first kind of guy, but I feel like in my head when I pour the milk the timer starts, (laughs) (laughs) so it's like as soon as the milk hits the cereal you have to go at it <laughs> like you're not I'm not the type of person who like sits the spoon down and like comes no, it's back like you're just going forward until <laughs> that cereal's gone I'm like um, yeah I've definitely like played around too much and the cereal get a little soggy like someone have a conversation while I'm eating you like oh don'
1: we're on the same page with that yeah we're, we're on the same page with the you know it's a snack for me usually yeah cereal is usually a snack for me but no I don't take my time on that one
0: yeah. Well, because I was trying to, because I feel like I I can see what you're saying. So let me ask you, because the hood classic, at least in my household, was to put ice in the cereal. Yes. Does that?
1: That was exactly what I was going to say. I'm not above (laughs) putting an ice cube or two in my cereal.
0: Because my cousin used to put the ice in the cereal. And it's like, like you said, to keep the the ice cold. Does that help? Like, you know, why? Like, is it better to not put ice in the cereal and just pour the thin layer? does it matter
1: both can both both can be true but i will say sometimes the ice can make your your cereal more soggy if you take your time
0: i'm gonna say this to be devil's advocate i feel like your cereal don't get the cereal taste when you put the cereal layer on top it don't really like you know when you pour the milk over all the cereal it like kind of like it does like a vortex, you know, like
1: Well you yeah, you probably get like the, the cereal milk sooner. Yeah. But when you got layers of cereal coming in, you're slowly adding to the flavor of the milk. The cereal milk flavor. So it's one of those things that's a reward by the end of the
0: Oh, your parents had patience.
1: My parents weren't at the table when we were having cereal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I said, if my if my if my I feel like if my mom saw me go with three layers, she she'll get up. What's going on in here? I to see you go back and forth three times. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> so it's like, for, it's also like a survival thing. Like,
1: I'm a, I'm a peculiar human. So, okay. I, I don't know if my parents knew that as a, when I was a kid, but I feel like they would have respected it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they would have understood the theory. Like, okay, sound theory. Let
1: her do her thing.
0: But that was a random tangent. <laughs> yeah, that I mean, was a hot take. <laughs> But
1: that's what I mean. a yeah. yeah, hot take is gonna it's gonna <laughs> take you there.
0: <laughs> but yeah, this is you know I just haven't done one of these in a while. I met Ali here at Old Souls Coffee Shop in, in Oak Park in Sacramento, and like I said, I was interviewing Caleb for for a, a podcast idea that I have coming up. And like after I sat down and talked to her, I was just like, I don't know. I feel like with Ali, we're just better off having a, like a great conversation because I'm like. I'll, like obviously you'd be able to hold an interview, but I was yeah. like, this. what they call it the the uh, soundboard? No, it was it springboard? Like springboarding ideas was, was a pretty good concept. So especially because you just have like not many people nowadays have like a, a actual opinion. It's like. <laughs> A fabricated opinion that everybody's okay with. So like, yeah, I have an opinion.
1: Like I said, it's Googled. A Googled <laughs> opinion. Yeah,
0: go- Regurgitation. A, a Google. You might even say a safe opinion. Yeah. But, yeah, I wanted to um ask you first, every time I invite someone on the show, because Special Friends Podcast started off as like, like a joke, like an inside joke, because I used to call my followers and my old stream Special Friends or mm-hmm. my subscribers. And, like, I want to ask you, like, what—because I feel like it's changed now. What is a friend to you?
1: To me, a friend is somebody who is, you know, connected on a spiritual and emotional level for me. Okay. You know, somebody who—people who root for one another and really love one another, really accept one another, can forgive one another, um— you know, and choose one another, with or without romance. I think the same standards you have in, like, a romantic connection as far as, like, friendship is concerned is the same without the romance, if that makes sense.
0: Okay, you brought up a good point. And now I got to ask you something, because I've had this debate many times. This is, I don't even say this is a hot take. This is just one of those heated topics that everybody got an opinion on, but there's no one, there's no middle ground. Do you feel like there's room for um, opposite sex friendships in like a relationship or a marriage?
1: Yes. I I Actually, I do. Partly because I have a lot of, I have a lot of friends and friends that are, you know, women, men, non-binary, but particularly have a lot of male friends and um, I mean... Personally, I've, I've, I appreciate all those relationships, and but I, I think it requires a level of maturity, or a level of openness. There are some male friends I've had, um, like there. We kind of have grown through like a, I suppose, like phase of attraction, and then grown past that because the friendship is more important, and you know. <laughs> I don't know. I but I also don't like. I could be naive. I know I've I've listened to red pill podcasts. Okay, you get what I'm you know what I'm talking about. I, I think so. You know, like the I don't listen to like the full podcast, but I, I try to get an understanding of like men's perspective on women. You know, from multiple types of of men, and I do recognize like maybe there are things maybe I don't see. Mm. Or understand about men as it relates to like how they relate to women but in my experience i don't i haven't had no problem with having male friendships and if anything um i value them because i get wisdoms that i i just don't understand as a woman sometimes
0: what about vice versa like if you're dating a man and he has a plethora of like female friends
1: that's fine like i don't i'm not insecure about that sort of stuff i think that like sometimes Sometimes the root of like people not being supportive of that is insecurity.
0: Mm. Because I want to, I want to break this down. Because I, I personally can see both sides of it. Um, uh, from being raised in a in a fairly predominantly woman household, I would say there's some slickisms mm. of like, I like him, but like, well don't don't he got a girlfriend? <laughs> ain't, anybody, ain't nobody, they don't care about and that. Like, there's some Like slick That isms. kind of energy. Yeah. And I, and I think that is, especially nowadays, that's, I think that's a lot, lot more prominent. Mm. So I can see that. Um, yeah. And I feel like, I mean, you know, you know there, there was a trend going on on TikTok about this, like, where it's like, call your best friend and say, like, we broke up and see how they act. And sometimes the, the dudes that expose themselves. Sometimes they'd be like, or sometimes the dude, or the girl, expose themselves. And sometimes they'd be like, well, you need to. What did you do wrong? Like you know, like it's depend on the person. Um, but I'm on a fence about it because it's like there's like for me, it's like I get like I I have my opinion on it, and I I feel like my opinion is valid, but I also understand how hard it is to get somebody who might have seen the other side, like to to understand where I'm coming from.
1: Yeah. Um, well. I think they all, that people or society often put that on men a lot, too. Like, men are the ones that have sometimes an, an ulterior motive, but women 100% can do the same thing. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. That's definitely a factor.
0: Oh, yeah. So, so yeah, I just, I just ask, especially when you said, like, friendship has, like, this, like, that same DNA as um
1: It can, as a romantic relationship. Because, like, fr- friendships... When you break up with a friendship, it hurts just as much, if if not, sometimes more, depending on how long you've been friends. Yeah, that's
0: true. You know what I mean? I definitely say it, it feel worse.
1: But I mean, I when we we're talking about like you know friendships across opposite sexes, I think first you got to think about like it heteronormatively because if if you're friends with a straight man and you're a straight woman, then obviously there are some complexities there that
0: this exists
1: that exist. But, you know, if your male friend is gay, then.
0: Oh, yeah, that's a whole different story. A <laughs> whole different story, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: So I, I think it's very possible. It's just a matter of like how open you are and how willing you are to be um, vulnerable with each other about your intentions and your, your feelings for each other.
0: Yeah, I just, I just wonder, I, like I said, because I've had, I feel like I had that discussion every time because I have a, a lot of women friends and like all my women friends are like strictly platonic, not all of them. Um, majority of them are platonic, and the ones that aren't platonic, like I'm not friends with anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's like—is
1: um, it a hard line for you? What do you mean? Usually, like the ones that are not platonic, like what contributed to you not being friends anymore? Was it the fact that it, somebody had feelings, or
0: uh, the fact if- that feelings grew and we tried it, and then it just now we we can't be friends? <laughs> We're exes now.
2: You re- yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're not friends anymore. We're exes now. So I was like, sorry. <laughs> that's <laughs> so. why.
1: That's why I, I really try not to go there with a person unless I'm really willing to risk the friendship. And most of the time, I'm not willing to risk the friendship.
0: It's hard because, like, I got a friend named Tia, and like me and friend me and my friend Tia have a great relationship, a great rapport. She's been on this podcast before, and like people see us like, oh, you guys would be a great couple. And I'm like, we look at each other like. Nah, <laughs> nah. <laughs> Thank you, but no. It's like yeah. Like Tia's like really a person I could really call her and like tell her anything and it's like vice versa. Um, and like, like you said, to risk that for like, and then it also you when you know somebody, you know you you know what they want. So it's like at that point, it's like I know what she wants. That's not what I want. So we just gonna leave it where it's at. <laughs> no matter how good our rapport is, that part. But that part, yeah. Um, I think that was a good. That was a that was a good. Yeah. Segue. So we got a lot of things to talk about. We do. Um, here, let me make sure I adjust this camera because last time I was looking <laughs> crisp.
1: Okay, and the sun's gone down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need to be a better camera. <laughs> Like, I got to get all the lights going in my, with my setup.
0: Somebody said they're going to bless me with some, with some lights and shout out to them because that's going to help a lot. It's going to look crazy though. Cause now I'm going to be looking like flashing lights when I was like, yeah, everybody just don't just calm down. This is very casual.
1: Continue your setting.
0: <laughs> I know you're blinded by the light, but, um. Yeah, there's like a. I mean, there there wasn't too much going on this week. I I would be honest with you. I I put my I took my social media off my phone for like three weeks just because, yeah, I didn't like what was going on. Yeah, being honest. So, um, I seen what's going on, but I don't have I don't know about all the nitty gritty. But before we get into that, I kind of wanted to go more into like who you are. You know. Okay. Because I I think you're a cool person. I want to get to know you better, and I wanted to ask you like. How did you, like, obviously you went to school, but, like, how did you get started as, like, a, like, what made you want to go down the field of comms, communications, for, as a Mm. professor?
1: Well, originally I actually was a graphic design major. What? (laughs) Yeah. Like, at heart, I'm an artist. Okay. And a creative, but I... Okay, so my first semester of college, I went to my graphic design professor and I took him my yearbook, which I was one of the lead designers on.
0: Okay.
1: And I was really proud of my, my yearbook, okay? And I took it to him and I was like, I just wanted, I passed it to him like this. I just wanted, you guys see what I'm saying? Like, I just wanted you to take a look at my yearbook <laughs> and my designs and just give me some thoughts on like you, your thoughts on like my future in this program which I put way too much power in his hand at that time. But I was like, you know, what do you think about my design work? And he is like flipping through it all, you know, unfazed. And he was like, closes it and passes it back. He's like, you know, I think as you progress in this program, you'll see that this is some real rookie work, some rookie design work. But um, it's a competitive program and, um, you know, you'll have to see how you advance and i was so discouraged i was like (laughs) what do you mean rookie work this is this is this is a quality yearbook yeah like how how many yearbooks have you seen looking like this with a theme and every but anyway um
0: do you feel like he was right in that moment
1: he was but i was too insecure (laughs) and immature to like really receive that and that's what you need to be open to as an artist feedback and like Realness, real, real, real thoughts and um, opinions. So I went the safer route.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs)
1: Communication. Just because like I can naturally hold a conversation. I naturally like people. I'm naturally curious about people and how they connect. And I was taking a public speaking class at the time, actually. Mm -hmm. And my professor was so passionate about it. I was like, wow. Passionate. Yeah, passionate. He, he like loved the subject. I was like, yeah, this. Is, I feel like I could I could commit to something like this. It's less pressure. I'm not about to get a bunch of negative feedback from people all the time like this. I could do. And as I progressed in it, I started loving course, the courses more, mm. you know, feeling like the information I was getting was useful to my real life.
0: Okay. And then
1: I met um, the first and, and one of three black faculty in my department. And her name was Dr. Michelle is Dr. Michelle Foss Snowden, and she and I grew. I became her mentor, mentee. She became my mentor, and like I wanted to be like her. She just spoke so highly of being a professor and like the the perks of the schedule and you know being a nerd about what it is you what you like learning about. And I was just like, yeah, that I love school. I've always loved school. Other people have told me I would make a good teacher. Even when I was, like, a little girl, I would play this game with my brother called school where we would pretend to be teachers and have, like, a, <laughs> a class of students. Yeah. So it was just kind of like, yeah, no, I feel like this is, this is the path for me to walk. I want to be part of the solution of, like, representation in this field, too. Yeah. So, you know, I started to get really serious about pursuing grad school and, you know, really teaching, honestly. And okay. I fell in love with that naturally. It just kind of through grad school. Organically happened.
0: So, do you feel like um, I, think that's a, I think that's I think that I think it's dope too because it's not just the communications parts like the also the 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 art of teaching you fell yeah. in love with, which is I think is like I don't want to say forgotten, but I remember when, a lot of like as I got older and I mean, granted, maybe just because of the type of students we were, we were getting older as students. I feel like that love for teaching wasn't there. Like some people literally was like. I've heard people make. I think I saw somebody, I heard somebody making the joke is like, "Listen, I'm just here to clock in and clock out. <laughs> like, I'm just doing this to pay the bills." I'm like, I'm like, I understand, but it's like that mentality as a teacher is crazy. Like, if, like and harmful. Yeah, that's exactly. that's harmful for the students. So, that, like, yeah. To see you like have that natural, like, love for it, I think that's pretty dope. So, I wanted to ask you, like, going now that you're. You know, you, obviously, you're still learning every day, I imagine. But, like, what is, like, the biggest misconception when it comes to communication? Because, like, the first misconception that everybody says is, like, oh, you're a comms teacher. That's, like, easy. That's easy.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, everybody thinks they already know how to communicate. That's the thing. <laughs> and they don't most of the time. Like, if you think about a lot of the world issues that we have, it, like, could be resolved with just good communication, like, good problem solving and conflict resolution skills, but instead people would rather drop bombs (laughs) and kill people. (laughs) And like, it could really be as effective as a conversation if, if people were more appreciative of that art, you know?
0: So what's like, what's like as a communicator, like what's three things did you see? Like three, like uh, I want to say three mistakes, but I get like either three, Three mistakes or maybe a better way to position it would be like, what are three things people should do to be better at communicating?
1: Mm. Well, the first thing I think is... Except that you're not always going to be right. Actually, just don't go into any conversation with the intention to be right. Go into any conversation or debate with the intent of understanding and being understood. Mm-hmm. And that's just the number one thing. I think people are very competitive when it comes to communication, like competitive to be heard, competitive to be right, instead of just trying to be on the same playing field and, and be understood and, and giving people the gift of being understood. So, that would be like probably the, the main piece of advice that I have others would be like not speaking to things you're not educated on or knowledgeable about really being honest about what you know and don't know there's no shame in not knowing shit I mean okay, can, can I okay yeah, yeah. you know what I mean there's no shame in like not knowing things if anything that makes you a more credible person to know what you know and admit what you don't know you know what I mean it makes, it makes conversations more effective too and I think the last part is just being authentic, like be honest about what you feel, what you think, what you know, and, you know, let that do do its own work. Like you don't need to. I I don't know, like communication is partly a performance for some people, you know, because how you share your voice, how you how you speak up affects how people think of you and see you. And mm-hmm. so sometimes I think like ego Comes into play As to how people Use their voice Either you have A huge ego Or you don't have Enough ego And you, you know What I mean Like, Shout to Beyonce So you won't get heard Or you're heard A little too much Instead of just being Heard for who you are And um I don't know I think that's like A big part of it too If that if that makes sense In my so mind
0: it does Let me ask you like um, Cause you made Oh obviously All of them All the points Are really good I think all that is definitely like today, do you feel like that's all like, and this is me just kind of like trying to prod it to build a conversation. It's like, do you feel like, especially when it comes to like something like authenticity? Cause I feel like the first two points are really important and are true, you know? A lot of people do go into the conversation and people don't understand that like, if we're having a conversation and we disagree, I'm not having a conversation with you to make you agree with what I, you know. What you're saying. What I'm saying. Yeah. And Like It can be tough Because it's like You know I'm saying this thing I want you to understand What I'm saying But I think Understanding and like Agreeing are two different things Like I can understand mm. What you're saying And not agree
1: 100%
0: That is right And I feel like If people go into A conversation with that And even Better yet Like go into The conversation Trying to understand Focus more on Understanding your point than understanding Getting you to understand My point I think conversation Would be better But like When you said like Authenticity How do you feel about Like that like in the space that we are right now today where it seems like a lot of people, and I'm not talking about like hate speech, but I'm talking about like some people are fearful to be themselves to have that misconstrued as something else. Like more talking like when some people talk like some of these buzzwords, like misogyny Mm. or misandry and things like that. Like
1: Yeah. People are afraid to be labeled or mislabeled or, you know, judged. But I think like, if you can just accept the fact that that's going to happen regardless, (laughs) I mean, it makes your life a lot easier. Like, and also what other people perceive about you can be their truth, Yeah, but it is their truth. It doesn't, you don't have to internalize that. You don't have to accept that as your truth. You don't have Mm. to own that label. Um, you know, you can just receive it as that's what their truth is and respect that. Again, that's like coming from understanding other people, you know, and understanding how people experience you is important. If people experience you as misogynistic, you don't have to agree. But I do encourage people to, like, reflect on that, yeah. you know, and at least if you disagree, know exactly why and how, you know. Um, but be open to that being a possible truth for yourself, too. You know, there, there are sometimes things that people can see in us that we sometimes are blind to. Um, but that requires just having a level of transparency with yourself, a level of honesty with yourself. And I do think it's harder to arrive at that because of social media. Like there's more incentive to be like everybody else. Actually, I'm reading this book by Brene Brown and she was saying comparison is, yeah, shout out to her, right? Um, (laughs) But she was saying comparison is essentially be like the pressure to be like everybody else, but better. Okay. you know, and you don't have to do you don't have to do that. You can the pressure to just be yourself is is enough, Mm -hmm. you know, so I don't know. I think. Leaning into like the power of being who you are, as opposed to how other people see you is very critical to, you know, being unapologetic Mm. and it is it is it is something that's hard to arrive at, but it's not impossible. It's just yeah. something that you have to have a desire for more than being like everybody else, mm-hmm. if not better.
0: You know what I mean? That makes sense. Yeah, it definitely would take some work, but it's definitely possible. It's and it is, I think just because it's possible, you all, it is a tough road, but it's a more fruitful. You know, you'll mm-hmm. have, you don't want to have, I don't want, you know, because some people, especially when you're younger, you, you act and talk a certain way to have friends because you don't. Or you have certain friends because you don't want to be alone. Yeah. But like, I would rather talk how I talk, and then the people around me, like, are like genuine friends. So like, and this could be a segue to get into to talk about like um, the main man himself, Mister Ye West. Ah. Uh, but mm. like, if you really talk the way you talk, you're you know you're when you when you come under fir- fire, your friends will like not leave you because it's like. They'll hold you accountable yeah. they're, like, they're like I mean yeah <laughs> Like either they agree Or they're like Nah you tripping True but, And I feel like True. You know And like I said I, I don't want to talk Too much about The Kanye West situation Cause I You know Kanye's crazy But I do want to <laughs> You know We decided to watch The Kanye And Piers interview Which if you haven't seen I would say go watch it Cause it's hilarious It's like comedy Really to me it is, but I, <laughs> I wanted to like ask you like w- before we get into all that and like obviously we don't know enough, but like, do you feel like? I think about like some of the stuff that Kanye's been going through because he's under fire. I f- do you feel like Kanye has someone in his corner? Like, do you feel like that? Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, he has Candace in his corner. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, even I mean, yeah, you know, and he- she kind of still left him high and dry. She said, I'm going to get back to this later. <laughs> uh, I'll never forget that. She said, he got dropped from the bank. we going to get back to this later. I said, huh? Later? <laughs> <laughs> he got to get the money out this week. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, yeah, like, do you feel like we can still take it back to communication. Like, do you feel like having genuine friendships can help better your communication? Like, mm. or does that, does that, like... Does your the does the way does your interpersonal interpersonal relationships dictate your communication? Like does that connect it in any way?
1: It's connected, but I think it's more about your like your own personal self reflection and willingness to be honest with yourself mm-hmm. and hold your and self accountability. Yeah, you know, so like you can have friends that tell you the honest to god truth, but if you don't have the you know willingness to be accountable with yourself and Mm -hmm. and really take that in, then those words are going to fall on deaf ears Okay. for lack of better words.
0: So I'm going to let you go into like your idea. Like, like you, you, can you explain the Kanye and peers interview?
1: I mean, (laughs)
0: like things that stood out. to you. I
1: couldn't even finish it. If I'm (laughs) going to be honest. (laughs) Okay. Things that stood out. um, (laughs) Sheesh. How do you even recap that? It went so many different directions, is the thing.
0: Yeah. You know, it was definitely like psychobabble.
1: It was yeah, and <laughs> a lot of not again like that, like personal self-accountability and like willingness to reflect and willingness to be um to understand other people. Like for me, watching that interview, I was looking at more how how Ye was communicating with Pierce and to me, it seemed like Pierce was doing a pretty decent job of listening to Ye and affirming Ye and that just wasn't being reciprocated. Mm. If anything, I think Ye is very good at one way conversations. Yeah. he be in conversation just with himself and much. everybody else is an accessory. And that's not how communication works. Like yeah. communication is a two way street. There are many different theories you can use to support that. You can either think of it as this, like, transaction where if I send you a message, you're going to decode that message, send me back a message for me to decode, and then I respond to that, and it's a cycle. Or you can think of it as this exchange where we're both creating meaning together. But if one person is not trying to create meaning, you know, with the other person, if the other person is not trying to transact and really decode what's being said, listen and respond to what they're hearing— then it's just like a sending out messages one way. And that's really what Kanye does. Um, and it's not effective. That, Do you feel
0: like there's a way to defuse situations like that?
1: Self-reflection?
0: No, like as a... As an interviewer? As someone who's, being, who's like receiving that kind of behavior. Is there a way to defuse that? Or does it just... No. Walking
1: away. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I guess you can't... like he, Obviously, Pierce could not walk away. but and And I think he did a very professional job with that interview. <laughs> but you can't make somebody reflect on themselves they have to have that desire within themselves have to have that ability within themselves mm. and not everybody has that ability some yeah. people are narcissists so that kind of self level of self-reflection is just mentally not possible that's true you know what i mean i'm not saying that yay is a narcissist but like i just i don't think that there's anything someone else can do to intervene i think that is it's a personal problem Mm -hmm. it's a you problem if that makes sense yeah and it's a you problem that you have to have a willingness to want to resolve
0: okay so like do you feel like um do you think personally like if you're in that situation in a professional context do you think like how do you think you would have handled that situation not well no
1: i'm uh, no (laughs) not well (laughs) like
0: like, what, what do you think like you would like I, what do you mean?
1: I would have been done with that interview five minutes in. Yeah. Like I, I just again, it's the like lack of listening. An interview is two ways. Mm. And and Ye was like, I'm interviewing you too at a point to Pierce and it's like No you're not. That's not how this works. This isn't the Ye show. This is Pierce Morgan's show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Morgan's his last name, right? I think I, have no I idea. think that's his last name. <laughs> Hopefully, I'm not mixing him up with an actor. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, he was not respecting um, the scene and the, and the setting. Uh-huh. And I don't personally respect people who don't respect others. Okay. So there, was, there would also be that layer for me of, like, I'm losing respect for you as I'm doing this interview. And personally... That's a conflict of my own values. So how about we just don't waste each other's time Yeah, and we just end this now?
0: Do you feel like there's grace? There's any grace for Kanye given the the circumstances?
1: Yeah, I think Pierce gave that to him. Yeah. But for me, no. Yeah. Like, I am not the person that's going to offer that. And I'm not saying, like, I could not be um, graceful with him. It's just... The way that he treated Pierce in that interview to me was incredibly disrespectful. Okay. And I have a very low tolerance for disrespectful behavior. And I don't think anyone should have to suffer through that for the sake of professionalism. Yeah. If you're, if somebody, and I even have been in a work situation where I was not respected communicatively and I did not accept that. Yeah. I lost my job as a result of not ex- accepting that, but that's my personal value.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I mean? I'm not going to let other people. Violate, violate me. Yeah, I'm just not gonna gonna create any space for that.
0: Well, and I, I, I get, and I will say that Kanye definitely was like, and it, that's a, it's a tough interview to watch because, like, when you watch it and you understand the situation that Kanye's going through, would just, and I'm gonna be honest, I feel like you know, peop, a lot of people used Kanye in these moments because mm-hmm. he was like the. Hottest topic. Yeah. So it's like we're gonna bring you on this show and let you just like cycle ran, get yourself into a hole. Yeah. And like and now like he's getting cancelled and all these other places like got the benefit and he get, catches all the slack for it. Lost his Adidas deal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. well he wanted that, but he was he, trying, did? <laughs> he did he was trying to get out the Adidas deal and they would they wouldn't let him out. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. So mission <That's laughs> <an> accomplished, bro. <laughs> yeah, that, but um Mm. It's like one of those situations where it's like that isn't a good enough excuse for him to do what he did. But I can like, like if not trying to put myself in a situation because I never want to be there. But like, like if I was trying to have an interview, if I was trying to interview you, and I know that you had like got divorced, you know what I'm saying They're, they took your job away from you and like a lot of the things. They're like stripping a lot of things from you mm-hmm. and you come at me more combative. Um, I feel like that's the lens that I saw it through. Like, okay, like not, not still, they're not saying it's okay. I don't, he shouldn't have acted that way, especially if somebody who is that old. Yeah. But it's like, I can like, I think Pierce saw it that way. It was like, you know, he's very like, and he's like in a bad place right now. and like. Handle and he was handling him delicately, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in, 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 I
1: mean, it's in light of that. I Even mean, giving him a
0: great opportunity to do that interview when everybody else is canceling him right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's beautiful because the thing about Kanye is he is a great talker, <laughs> yeah. he's a great talker, yeah. he's just not a good listener. Yeah, and I also think that one of his greatest insecurities is not being heard. I mean at the at the end of most of the rants that have gone viral it's him feeling like he's not being heard and speaking louder as opposed to more respectfully mm. so
0: that's a good point
1: you know and I think that that's interesting it's it's interesting because People receive Ye very well when he speaks his truth via music. But once the music is out of the picture and it's just his authentic, raw voice, people are no longer, like, really able to receive his message. Yeah. Which is ironic. Exactly. You know, but if he was a good listener and he paid attention, he would see that people receive his messages better when he makes music. And he would make the messages that he's making now in the form of music so people could really listen without the, like layer of his tone because I I don't know I think his tone is
0: I, I think you're on to something with the whole like big part of not it not listening not being listened to because I think about it like especially when you go back and watch Genius and like I've only seen the first episode because for at least for me when I was looking for inspiration I was like the first episode was all I needed to see I, I watched the first episode I was like yeah I'm gonna you're have talking about his thing. documentary huh you're
1: talking about his documentary yeah
0: oh I watched all three yeah <laughs> so like the first episode like you said like 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 me, like thinking about like All Falls Down, like one of my favorite songs personally. Yeah. To see like him spit All Falls Down. And like the, you know, I I think it was Shaka Khan, like be like, yeah, yeah, put that away type stuff. (laughs) And like, like you said, knowing like him Mm -hmm. knowing that he has this talent and like not being received. I can feel like that chip is still on his shoulder because watching how he looked when he walked out of there was like, that almost made me cry. Like, not like Lily cried, but like, you know, you're watching like, damn. He really just spit, like, in my opinion, one of my favorite songs to this person and they just like, close the door. Turn that camera off. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Granted in context is like, in that moment, it's like, everybody comes and does that. So it's like, how do you gauge it? But it's like, it's like a t- like it's tough to knock that feeling.
1: Yeah, I mean and it's not to say that for other people their greatest fear is not also not being heard. <laughs> oh, no, 100%. You know what I mean? I, I just think it's an insecurity that goes um unrecognized and oftentimes it's it's taken a lot lighter than it really really should be.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: People deserve to be heard and that's one of the things one of the reasons why I like the piercing and Ye interview cuz out of all the people that are willing to listen to him, you've got another unpopular voice at the table with him. Yeah, exactly. So, you know.
0: So do you feel like, because like you said, you didn't know that he was trying to get out his Adidas deal. I'm going to plug my phone in for a dies. Do you feel like he's, because de- I'm sorry, I'm going to be honest. Now I got to get my hot take. Okay. I feel like Kanye is... We all know Kanye's smart, but I feel like Kanye might low key be a mastermind sometimes because he did all this, and he, like I said, if you if you really go back and listen to some of his interviews, he said some crazy things in some of those interviews. He like Lily basically was saying like I can say whatever I want, and like nothing's gonna happen. Which you should never say that, but like when I really think about it, like Kanye said a lot of stuff before he got canceled. <laughs> it's his brand. Yeah, and it's, like, in that, like, he got what he wanted. He got his Adidas deal. Yeezy is his, whatever. Obviously, he gets his flack, but it's, like, it's hard for me to feel like he didn't do it on purpose. I mean... (laughs) Because he was, like, it seemed like he was shooting shots at everywhere. Like, he was saying this off-the-wall stuff.
1: I I think he... (laughs) So I don't I don't think he's I mean, I don't know. He he could it could be a masterminded genius plan. But to me, oh I wouldn't take it that far. But OK, because I was going to say that I don't think there's any amount of genius to excuse being inconsiderate of other people.
0: No, not like you know, that.
1: but I mean, could this be a creative way to get a message across to people? I mean, I guess I don't think that it's working, though. Is that what you're asking me? I'm, I'm like. basically
0: saying like. His, for me, the way I saw it was like his biggest thing is he wanted to get out this Adidas deal. That's that's what I saw. Mm-hmm. Like he's like, I want to get out this Adidas deal, whatever. Which is a shout mm. to him. And he realized the only way to get out this Adidas deal, because they weren't letting him out in a casual way, like a quiet way. Mm-hmm. I have to go to the internet and just start going off. And then at one point, they're going to want to cut ties with me. I, Granted, like I said, the way he went about it was horrible. Like, like I said, talking about... You know, um talking about George Floyd's family. No, was it George Floyd? Yeah, it was. Yeah, George Floyd. Like like doing stuff like that was like taken too far. But I think also that too is just like and that's a whole other conversation. Like it that broke my heart to see like he went and said all this other stuff, like the George Floyd die friend and all like all this other crazy stuff. You know, in the past he's seen like um slavery was a choice and all this stuff and like none of that ever got canceled people were still going to the tours he was still on TV still out his deals and then like obviously he said something that is also offensive but like that was finally what broke the straws the camel that broke the straws back I mean, whatever the saying is the straw that broke the camel's back it's like like I said that's a whole different conversation but like it's just crazy like Sometimes, like I said, the world we live in, (laughs) I don't know.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: That's a tough one.
1: (laughs) I don't know. I feel like both can be true. I think he can have been intentional about it, trying to get out of the deal, knowing whatever he says is going to help him achieve that goal at the same time of um, being completely inconsiderate of how those words are landing on people. You know, I, I don't know. I think both both are true. Yeah. You know, he's a, he is a smart artist, but Notice. he's not nope. a genius in terms of no. really making the change and impact that I feel like he actually is intending to try to make. Yeah. If he, if he was really serious about making change, then he would really listen more. He would listen to the people that he's affecting. But
0: I think that's his biggest thing.
1: I think his ego is so big now even though he has a song called Ego Death which is one of my favorite songs by him <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know I, I think his ego is too big to care and um,
0: you know well, I, f- I feel like even, I might even say his ego is a, is a defense mechanism mm-hmm. to keep him from feeling like he's like being unheard he's like cause like when you think about some stuff he said like I'm not right I'm, I might not be right I'm, but I'm, it's not that I'm not right it's not, I'm not right now stuff like that it's like stuff like that where it's like it's almost like um how do you say like a unrealistic worldview of like his like what he's saying because like even if people aren't accepting what i'm saying it's like they're going to which is like something like to me it sounds like granted whether it's true or not like i like that statement and i i feel like i can you know it could be used but i can also see like how it could be like um almost sound crazy <laughs> like yeah you know y'all might not agree with me but it's just because it's not right now it's like what are you saying <laughs> like, that doesn't work that doesn't apply to everything
1: yeah no I, I do think he's in a different reality I think yeah. that's a big part of it too like I don't I don't think he can relate to the people he's trying to reach and that's a big part of the dissociation of or um cognitive dis, what is it called cognitive is mm, it cognitive dissociation
0: Mm. it's like when you like separate yourself from reality or something
1: there's this like
0: dissonance
1: dissonance yeah cognitive dissonance you know we're just like mentally we're not on the same page largely because there's a gap here and I think the gap is relatability mm. he's just like in I, I do think there's a certain thing that like celebrity will give people in this like they're more important than other people that their voice is more powerful than other people, you know, and that's again, like feeding into the ego. Yeah. And I, I think that he's a victim of that, but
0: we well, heard him, you I'm know, a billionaire. you should be listening to me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what does that even mean? You know
1: what I mean? <laughs> so and and, until he's ready to like face that, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think he's going to reach or he's going to have the same reach he had as when he dropped all falls down. You know, I think at that time he was a lot more humble, and he's lost that humility. So, you know, I don't know. I, I, he he's on another planet. Is there
0: anything else you opinion. want to touch on before we um, leave, leave? Leave him in the dust.
1: No, let's 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 leave him in the dust. So, what you want to and, talk about next. Well, I need to use the bathroom. Oh, so okay. I, Can ahead. I take a potty break, real Go quick? Ahead. Okay.
0: I'm gonna get some drink. Okay.
1: Press my dad used to make songs out of everything though. He used to. Yeah, I mean, he's still here. He's still alive. I'm not talking, I don't know why I'm talking about <laughs> I'm him like he, he's in the past.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, dang, what happened to him? No, he's at home. No, he, yeah. <laughs> he's at home. Nothing he's happened He's still to him. here.
1: He's still singing, actually. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, doke Okay. So, we're back. Nice little pot- potty break. I got some tea. Yeah. You got, well, you still got one? Yeah,
1: I still got some left.
0: <laughs> I was going to ask you, what do you want to talk about next? We got a lot of stuff. I on feel this, like on let's talk about
1: affirmative action since we're on heavy topics. Okay,
0: let's go with it. Okay, I'll let you take that one first. Okay. Your topic.
1: Well, first of all, I want to preface this with. Okay. Uh, my, I I took a short break from teaching this past summer. Okay. To do work in affirmative action, I took on a corporate job as a data analyst. I, th- I think I mentioned this to you too, but I t- for for the people. Um, I took on this job as a data analyst for a consulting firm that made affirmative action plans for different corporations. Okay. And it was a really interesting job because I didn't realize affirmative action is still alive, personally. I mean, you, I guess, like, we know it's on bills and things like that, but we don't really know how... Per- I'll speak for myself. I didn't realize how it's still being um, engaged and mandated. And so I recently came across this news article about Harvard and North Carolina University going to the Supreme Court for an affirmative action case. Mm -hmm. Basically, particularly Harvard has... uh, (laughs) um, organization of Asian Americans that are leading the charge on Harvard discriminating against them in favor of other ethnic
2: groups. Okay.
1: Like black people. And so my work was not necessarily in higher ed, although we did have clients that were in, well, anyway, our clients were across the spectrum from, you know, different types of industries. And so, hmm I grew a fascination and a passion for affirmative action. Is all that to, is is what that that boils down to. So, okay. I, I, I really want to talk about this because this this case with Harvard and in and, and North Carolina could be pretty pivotal to higher education as a as a like as an industry in the United States.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And people are not involved in the conversation nearly enough in my opinion.
0: So let me ask you, for somebody who, cause I, I know I wasn't too familiar to, to, or privy to what it is, can, you, can I ask you, can you explain what affirmative action actually is?
1: So affirmative action is legislation that started, it started in 1964 actually, and in the spirit of labor inclusivity to help people get fair jobs and housing and education. So helping particularly black people who were discriminated against during during Jim Crow. This is, I think, the root of of affirmative action. You know, people who were intentionally excluded from educational opportunities, housing opportunities, job opportunities, giving them legal support Mm. so that they're not excluded for the purpose of their skin or their national origin or their gender this is where it started. Yeah. And it's expanded to religious idea like I, you know, ideology, it's expanded to sexual orientation now. Uh-huh. But it's essentially legislation to help ensure that people are included equitably across education, across the labor field labor force and across housing. Okay. But people often think that it means giving bias selection to people of color, particularly black people. Yeah. And really is to make sure that, you know, whatever rate you're renting or selling property to people, that it's equitable across white people and people of color, that whatever rate that you are recruiting and enrolling students that are white versus, you know, students of color, that it's equitable and that we're paying attention to those trends. That's what, what affirmative action is really about. Okay, You know, so... I don't know, but a lot of people think that it's just about being biased and having people meet quotas. Yeah.
0: And that's. And that's the thing is that, from what I've read, quotas are illegal and they've been illegal for a long time. Like, because the way I understand it is that basically, what affirmative action and power, you can use race as one of your, you know, um, factors of why you accept somebody. Um, and it. And that's the thing is like, it's not the sole reason. I think those people are getting confused. It's like someone think it's the sole reason. It's like, well, obviously if you're, you know, you could be black and unqualified, and you're not gonna get the job or you can be Hispanic or whatever, you know, whatever. It's just one of the qualif. It's like one of the factors you can take into consideration um, mm-hmm. from what I've read. So like, what do you feel like? And I guess I'll go first on this one. It's like Kay. when it comes to like the purpose, like because I was trying to figure out my biggest thing is like before I go too deep into anything, I always want to know like the purpose of something. And like I was only familiar only only read it from the area of like colleges mm-hmm. and then also labor, where it's like it allows colleges to like uh, further diversify their campus on like intentionally th- without a quota system, um, which, and like you know which in turn will diversify the labor market because people. I mean, not. As, I don't know how how prominent it is now, but people used to directly go to the college to get to get people. So if your college is more diverse, then your future labor is going to be diverse. So like for me, like the way mm. I saw it was like this helps um, colleges, specifically universities, high-level universities, continue to diversify their campuses.
1: And as a result, the workforce. Yeah. And the future workforce. Is that what uh-huh. I'm hearing? Yeah. Yeah, it's one hundred percent that. Yeah, I mean that's the idea behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when I was in the in in that line of work, what we were looking at was recruitment patterns. We're looking at hiring patterns, promotion patterns, and termination patterns across different um, businesses. Um, termination.
0: Termination patterns. Okay.
1: So, are you able to not just recruit people of color, I would say people in these targeted groups? So, we're looking at women, we're, we're looking at people of color, we're looking at people with disabilities, and we're looking at veterans. Those are specifically the four groups of people, protected groups, that are most frequently looked at through data, right? And like okay. the reality of what I saw. Mm-hmm. is that all of these groups are still at a, at a major disadvantage with the exception of if you are a white woman or an Asian American. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, there's still a need for affirmative action yeah. is my point. There's still a major need for it, particularly in the, in the, in the labor force. And I could say, I would uh, agree with you in that, like, you know, colleges are helping to prepare the labor, the labor force. Mm-hmm. And so, the uh, the other thing that I think is interesting too is like with predominantly white institutions, historically predominantly white in- institutions like Harvard, the
0: Ivy League,
1: Ivy League, or even like basic state schools like Sacramento State, and okay. which I love, I, I I'm an alumni of, but they are predominantly white. If you look at the the demographics, right, mm-hmm. many institutions historically discriminated against people of color and. That's the difference between like a PWI versus a HBCU. Yeah. An HBCU is born out of self-preservation, out of a need for, you know, protecting the commu- the, the black community. Whereas a, a PWI was born out of a spirit of exclusion and discrimination and prejudice. Yeah. And so.
0: Two different situations.
1: Very, very different histories. And that has to be a history that we're willing to own and and honor the effects of. You get yeah. what I'm saying.
0: And to to go more into it about the like the affirmative action, like to like almost put it in like layman terms, like for people listening, is like basically what's going on right now is like there are a group of predominantly right now Asian American uh, students who feel like the reason their reason their sole reason why they did not get into these higher level educations of like Harvard and whatnot is strictly based on the fact that they let black kids in or any other race but they're they're specifically saying black kids and it's like that's why they're like fighting against affirmative action but like for me it's like even thinking about it is like how does that like i feel like for them it's like when you look i had to look up the statistics for me i'm like okay first i gotta go to statistics okay i think it was like 37 percent. Asians got accepted last year.
1: They're still one of the highest enrolled <laughs> highest groups enrolled, of students. Yeah,
0: highest enrolled like other than white people and legacy legacy students because legacy students also get enrolled at a higher rate. So it's like if your parent went to Harvard, you're more likely to get into college than a minority. Like in general, so it's like stuff like that where it's like, and I. I you think also, it's sad because they're being used as a pawn in this situation.
1: Yeah, because you got to think about it. Well, a lot of Asian Americans don't consider themselves people of color. Yeah. So the way that they're identifying with this whole, um, the legacy of civil rights is very different than a lot of other groups of uh, of color. So, yeah, exactly. You know, and it's dangerous because, I mean, they are... Out of all people of color, they have been able to assimilate, I would say, probably the most easily. Oh, yeah. You know, they've been able to recover their um, wealth the most easily. You know, they've been able to protect their culture the most easily. When you think about Native people, you think about Black people, you think about Brown people, it's a lot harder and it's it's continued to be a lot harder to have access to education to have access to quality job opportunities to have yeah. access to quality housing or to even own land mm-hmm. you know so um it's really interesting that yeah like asian americans are leading the way and we know this because well obvi- obviously i share the hassan minaj <laughs> you know um,
0: yeah hassan um, had a great monologue on that
1: he yeah he, on patriot act he talks about affirmative action and and its connection to basically um asian and southeast asian people right but um it's interesting because they like in the civil rights rights movement like when we had okay rosa parks before rosa parks there was a young black woman i don't remember what her name was who also got arrested for remaining seated on the bus but she was a young black girl who was pregnant Mm -hmm. didn't make the ideal face of civil rights she was
0: darker complected
1: and that but Rosa Parks and more, a more elder woman, lighter skin, more well received to be the face of civil rights. And just like with that, we have anti the anti-civil rights or the anti-affirmative action, where we originally started off with a white woman in Texas, a white student in Texas, who had the same charge. But now that it's an Asian, it's an, a group of Asian people. And we're, we're talking, talking about, Indian. you know, you know, pale, close to white Asian people to brown Indian. Asian people, you, you know, people are, are more willing to debate the issue.
0: Yeah. So, um, well, and then even like the point that I want to make of especially like thinking about, like thinking about this whole concept is like, and I, and like I said, I think you saw it in my nose is like, I don't like the implicit, uh, racism. And I, for me, like, I understand racism is, is you know, I, I don't live in a bubble. I think racism is obviously alive and well. And I don't think racism and i say this with a grain of salt is truly bad i feel like it's normal but it's for mm. me it's like there's one thing uh, like having like you know saying you don't like somebody or whatever that's your life that's your choice but like the implicit stuff where it's like oh there's no way that this black person got into harvard over me mm. without this rule and it's like that's undermining in and of itself too. Yeah, and that that's why like yeah. for me, like when I'm thinking about from how the the position I was coming at affirmative action from was like was that like I don't like how there's like this narrative being formed that basically is like a black person and most black people that statistically come from impoverished situations can cannot get into the school without like some kind of legislation in place. It's like, it's like, what are you trying to say?
1: I mean, well, like statistically, we don't have the highest SAT scores. Statistically, we are not doing, yeah. you know, the same as our Asian counterparts or white counterparts. Yeah. But the reality is, again, like coming back to our history as Black people, we are the only racial group that was systematically. Like excluded literally. from reading and writing literally you know what i mean asian americans didn't have that history yes they were in internment camps but who was able to recover their culture yeah asian americans
0: well not even to mention like when you go when you look into it like when black people got out of slavery if you go look they were some of the fastest like growing like they were like some of the fastest growing like in equity and things like that and you know that that's where you get the stories of like the you know the Tulsa massacres and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Where mm-hmm. it's like when they were trying to do these things, they they were getting literally stomped stomped out. So but literally,
1: like, you see little you see little Saigons still alive and thriving.
0: Yeah, exactly. You see
1: Chinatowns alive and thriving across different states, yeah. and d- across different cities. Yeah. But yeah, we have the Tulsa massacre where they're still digging up unmarked graves from people that were killed from that massacre
0: yeah exactly you
1: get you know what I'm saying so it's like
0: it's a different
1: it's a different history and it's a history that I find especially like at the, at the p- place I was working at it was predominantly white and Asian
2: mm-hmm. so
1: again like I don't think that Asian people are identifying as people of color and that is a very unspoken part of this conversation mm-hmm. that you know we are not them we no. are we are not like them
0: No, and they mm-hmm. feel the same way you know so, how do you, how, how does that, like, how, and it's, and I will say it's a specific type of. Yeah, that's not it, all Asian Americans. Yeah, because I, I, I definitely got a shout out to my band, Chris. He's also been on the podcast. Shout out to Chris. He's a, uh, I think he's Vietnamese. Mm. But like you say she, like he he was the one who told me the real game. Chris told me, he was like, yeah, man, like, us brown, us brown people, like the brown Asians. He said, the, he's like, the white Asians don't like us. So it's like there's like that colorism Yes. That, that's like very much it's across well. the
1: cultures. Yeah.
0: So it's like um, and like I can only assume that that that's the same. That's the same situation here. It's like, why is my kid not getting in and I can see like, you know, and it's like and, it, and it's like it's just it's just also an entitlement entitlement thing. Because like like, oh, my God, like it was a three point five percent acceptance rate. Like that was that's what I think that's what it was last year. Three point five percent acceptance rate into Harvard of black people of you know in general. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, like that. I think their the acceptance rate was like three percent or something crazy. Like that's how many people applied to Harvard. So it's like or got in, yeah. Of those of that three percent, it was like thirty percent were Asian. Majority was white, and then the next highest one after that was black people, and then it was like um, Mexican, and then Southern Southern Asian. A lot next. Mm-hmm. So it's like stuff like that. It's like. But it's like even then like you're the highest group highest minority group into this college and like the entitlement that you're like oh wow I want more like 3% of people who applied got in like this thing about that that's crazy yeah I don't even know how many people applied, but I saw that I was like that's no way it's real 3% though it
1: al- it also like leans into elitism in, in oh, higher yeah. education which is a very white ideology so to think that it's so important to get into an ivy league versus the many other schools you could choose to apply to and get a get just as high quality of an education from is baffling to me mm-hmm. you know there are so many other schools that you could you you could put up there in, in your application so to pick a bone with harvard when again there's hundreds if not thousands of colleges that you could you could go to i don't know it's like that's not the problem. Yeah, <laughs> that's not the problem to be to be having a battle with right now, in my opinion.
0: And I, I like, so I feel like the question we should be asking too is like, because like it, it's good to inform about affirmative action, give people like awareness of this. Because I'm pretty sure, I know I wasn't the most privy to it, so I'm pretty sure other people also, like mm-hmm. I said, people been fighting for affirmative action for years to get rid of it since '64 um, at least is when yeah. it passed
1: in legislation.
0: So I was going to, like, I wanted to, like, ask the question, like, basically, like, I should say, like, why is it important? And like also, like, like, basically, let's start with there. Why is it? Why do you feel like why would this? Why is this important to, like, the average person?
1: So, OK, here here's my ultimate argument. I think affirmative action is the most modern day form of reparation particularly for black people but really a lot of people of color black people are not the only people owed reparations and reparations are you know the making right of a wrong yeah right so to make right the the intentional exclusion of education from writing reading to writing to creating you know part of that has to be creating space for us to be accepted yeah exactly you know if our testing right our, if our testing scores for sat or the gre or you know any sort of standardized test is lower it's because it's created with a white norm as the foundation you, you get what i'm saying no, and if, exactly. if, if the foundation is a white norm then naturally of course we're not going to perform to that standard we're yeah. black people
0: yeah if your Why- schools are in the if you're the highest schools like I was watching a, a, a housing show the other day and they said the best school in Austin, Texas is, is, like, is like this certain area. I can't remember the name of it, but the homes in that area range from eight hundred to fifty thousand dollars to like five hundred, like half a million dollars. Like so if that's the best school in Houston. Or I mean, my bad Austin, Texas. It's like, how can you expect a kid who went to a school that was like underfunded just because of the area he was in? Like, how do you expect that kid to like do that?
1: I also I I agree. (laughs) You know, there's the environment that we are um, brought up in is it plays a major role in like to an extent plays a role in our future successes. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think affirmative action is an is an example of modern day reparation. Like there are ways in which that things have to be evened out. You know, and if the reality for black people in particular is that our SAT scores are not as high, our, you know, GRE scores are not as high. It's not to say that we're not as we're not just as intelligent. It's not to say that we're not just as qualified, but it is to say that there is a racial bias in testing and we have to own that and, you know, be willing to create space for black people to still be included in education in spite of these ridiculous standards that are outdated that that's, is really what it's about that's why many schools especially since covid have done away with sat scores as a standard of of enrolling students they've done away with gre scores as a standard of enrolling graduate students like standardized testing is starting to become very antiquated and partly because it is racially biased so you know I don't I, I think that affirmative action is important to be aware of, it's important to be to have an opinion on because when we're we're talking about making right the transatlantic slave trade which happened with seven different countries. Yeah. Not just the United States, yeah. not just the UK. We really need to think about like what is making that right look like. And part of that is making the education system more equitable and accessible for people whose 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 ancestors were historically not able to access them.
0: Well, and not to mention, too, like, like you said, yeah, we can talk about SAT scores, but like when you really learn about, well, not learn, like from what I've seen, it is more like, like what culture are you bringing to the school? You know? You know? If your whole life was... I'm going to get good grades. It's like, what, what, what can you really offer the school? You know, like, how can, your, how can your unique circumstance come, how can you come to school with a unique circumstance to further legacy in one shape or form? Like, you know, you think about these scientific schools where people come and, like, they think about something they saw as a kid or something they understand and they apply that to something and they create either, like, a theory or, like, some new technology, some form of technology. Like, how can you, if your whole life was just, I'm going to go to school and be the best student and I have, like, the highest SAT score possible, like, as a university who wants more diversity and wants, you know, wants a better legacy, I could see why you would go after somebody, like, you know, like, I don't know. Uh, if you see, if you know African-American, like, okay, I don't know Harvard, Harvard's, like, um, sport history, but, like, if you see somebody who was more you know, have more of a history in, in some kind of sport while also being high in academics. is like, well, I would rather go with that student because if we have, like, a legacy of a better sports team, it's going to go further, you know, things mm-hmm. like that where it's like, I think people also leave that part out, like, yeah, race is a factor, but it's also, like, okay, like, like like you said, like, the sto- the scores are, like, um, racially based, like just because you're good at this school doesn't mean anything mm. at all.
1: Well, it's like following being able to do good at school is oftentimes being good at following rules, yeah. And following rules is you know not the same as being competent, competent is subjective, exactly. We've we've standardized it to make it you know something that. Is like ideally across the board fair, but it's at the end of the day not competency is very subjective, and at this time it's subjective to white ideologies and not you know many ways of understanding the the various ways of understanding and some forms of understanding are culturally based.
0: Well, even like Like about uh, street smart, yeah.
1: Is a is a culturally based knowing, mm-hmm. but you don't have an SAT uh, test for street smarts.
0: Well, yeah, even even you know something I mean? like like you said, like you can be. We, I know some of the smartest people ever. You give them their their thing to file the taxes. Same situation too. Like there is a like like I said. Okay, you're competent enough to read some information and regurgitate it. How does that make you
2: a contributing smart. member to society? Yeah,
0: smart it makes you a great worker. Or it can make you, like, a great, you know what I'm saying, like, in that shape, shape or form. But, um, but, yeah, to go back, like, to, like, why it's important, like, even, like, I think there's even, like, a lesson to like, I might be, this, I might be reaching because I like to reach. But I would say even, like, there's, like, almost, like, a lesson in life in that because, like. especially when you go back to the implicit, like, the implicit, like. So let me let me actually let me bring it back. Like, I think about, like, HBCUs. When you really learn about HBCUs and see, like, what they were able to do with such limited budgets and such limited resources, mm-hmm. like you said, when you look into it, like, they've been highly, I think they're, like, I think HBCU compared to another CU, like, a, re, like a regular college is, like, three times as underfunded, yeah. And I think. And I think when you look at private the private HBCUs compared to other private colleges, it's like it's like the numbers like higher things like seven times less underfunded, and it's like for them, like the, if you look at their legacy and like what they're able to like to deliver, um, just that alone just shows just shows me too like there's like more than just this like it's more than just the SAT scores. It's more than, it's more than your academics. More than the four point two that you had your whole life since you're in middle school or whatever like these people literally bring like not just black people but even hispanic people they bring this these culture this culture mm-hmm. that you can like like almost like you can com- converge on and like create these like legacies and i feel like it's important um especially as a minority to re- to like recognize like even if you like I'm someone who didn't go to college. I do want to give somebody the opportunity like if my little brother want to go to college why why should and he went to a, he went to a college on like a west side of Fresno, which is like the more inexperienced like less like like more impoverished area mm-hmm. so it's like why should he be held back because he had a teacher who didn't care
1: yeah why should he why should his future be? You know, contingent upon upon that sort of uh, reality.
0: Yeah, that doesn't make it shouldn't be. It doesn't make any sense when, especially if he has a lot to offer. I don't know, like
1: and especially if like we have had generations of people in that position. Yeah, you know, it's been hard. Not saying that it's impossible for black people to move out of poverty, but like that's been our history because it's it's been intentional you know what yeah, i'm saying yeah i mean um, systemically it's been intentional
0: so, so like to round it off like how do i say cuz i'm trying to think about i'm trying to think about this from the from like cuz i see why it's important to me cuz i you know i like i said i would like the workforce to be more diverse mm-hmm. and i feel like this that in general will continue to cause more diversity like as a ripple effect so The point that they're making right now in the um, Senate or wherever they're doing Supreme Court is that when is it supposed to end? Because that's the biggest thing. Like, affirmative action, I guess, was made to end at one point to a point where Mm. schools would be diverse enough where we no longer need a rule like that. Mm -hmm. And I can see their argument, but it's like, at the same time, it's like, how do you feel like it should end? Do you, feel like they will, they, do you feel like that really is a point where things will be diverse enough where somebody will just casually like, oh, yeah, we'll just bring them in, whatever? Or do you feel like it, it does need that? It does need that. You um, do need to have race as a, as a as a factor.
1: Yeah, we do. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, when white supremacy becomes the minority, then maybe we can revisit this conversation as to if, you know, affirmative action is still necessary but unfortunately white supremacy still has a major hold on white ideology not saying all white people are this way but i'm just saying enough white people are this way to where it impacts policy where it impacts opportunity where it you know it affects um representation it affects everything yeah so until we start to actually see the the fruits of this this civil rights labor that we've been putting in for de- decades and generations yeah affirmative action still needs to be legally um, possible it still needs to be in conversation and it's it still it, it's essential to making right the wrongs that you know have been done done against people of color
0: i agree that's how i feel yeah and i yeah. I, I feel like i agree with that like i don't feel like they're i don't feel like it's as easy as a timeline because mm-hmm. it was that easy then things would be fixed already exactly
1: we wouldn't need a California a B 31 41 31 31 I think it's thirty-one forty-one. Ah, I could be wrong but we do have like a um, reparations uh, board we have a gosh wow my link it's it's totally lost on me <laughs> Wow we probably anyway we have a reparations um, committee.
0: Okay. Okay. In California,
1: particularly the state of California, first state to have a a committee dedicated to studying and proposing reparations for descendants of slaves.
0: And and I think it's crazy. Even like just to get into that topic, like I think it's crazy that we have to argue. Like just think about that. We have to argue why black people specifically. Descendants of slaves deserve reparations, deserve payback for what happened to them. And it's like and people don't people don't like some people are ignorant. It's like people like, oh, why do you guys want to be have reparations, blah, blah, blah. It's like, do you not understand that if you're Native American, you get reparations?
1: Japanese American, they got reparations. Yeah. So it's
0: like there's these cultures that already get reparations. Like, why is it such a foreign concept that? A person whose family literally has no history because of specific racism that was set in place to keep them there and they don't deserve any form of financial compensation. Oh, you should just get it together, huh?
1: (laughs) You know, and, and it's because white ideology can exist without white people at this point
0: you yeah, know no 100 no, percent. you know what i mean well and i i can agree i can test that because like and this with- is like nothing to no one personally it's just the system
1: I mean, just the example of of Asian Americans fighting against affirmative action is an example of that. Like if they really respected the history of affirmative action and understood how that actually helps them and protects them, then, you know, we, we wouldn't need to be having this conversation. But because so many groups of color, including black people, can perpetuate white ideology, particularly white supremacist ideology, you know, they're there is a need for us to have to continue to advocate for these things. There's a need for us to continue to have to fight against what has become the foundation of America. And, and that's
0: the thing. That's the biggest the world. thing people who don't understand. Like, and I remember it was tough when I was streaming and there was a lot of racism going on. It's like people don't understand. Like I have no problem with racism because racism is not the problem. It's white supremacy is the problem. I don't have a problem when someone doesn't like me for who I am. The problem is that when you, the problem is that when you have things in place that now I can't get a job to even live a "quote unquote" normal life. When it's a whole system. Yeah, exactly. When there's like a system that literally keeps me at the bottom, and it's like, yes, yeah, some of those chains have been removed, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of like, even though it's there's no more legislation, there's a there's a like you said there's a mentality that has arisen. Like there's a there's a concept that I learned from a TED talk where it's like. If you are um, If a company is doing good And they hire A minority leader A black man specifically or a white woman Statistically that company will fail Or like will start to fail The next couple years Because The people, the board That's under them can't relate to them And they said And like this to prove like how crazy Everything is like they say white men are the only groups of people where the higher they go up, the more of them they are, you know? Because, like, if you're at yes. the bottom, like, any other minority group, as you go up, there's less people who look like you, but white men are only people. Like, as you go up, it's like, oh, there's more people like me. <laughs>
1: I, I, <laughs> I I I can tell you that based off of my pa- my previous job. That's 100% what the data says. Yeah. There's data to
0: support that. Yeah, and it, but that's what I'm saying, like, I don't think they're average Joe. I realize like, like think, like think about that concept and like not saying that's like, that's just, just shows you like why it's easy for white supremacy to continue. Yeah. Cause it's like, I'm only a, surrounded by high earning white people, white people who push the same rhetoric. So it's like, yeah, I, I, you know, I was at the bottom with these other people and I, I got to get to my position, but it's like, you, you get to get that position obviously through merit, but like, Mostly yeah. because people can recognize themselves in you, and if I can if I'm on the same level as you, it's like, well, I can't recognize what he's doing because, yeah, he's working hard, but like, there's something about him that feels like he's slacking. It's
1: like, or like, how did he get here?
0: Yeah, exactly. So,
1: sometimes it's like, okay, well, yeah, we need a black person up here too, but it's like a black person, not, you know, yeah, we need people of color to even out the representation we have up here.
0: Yeah, that's why quotas are bad. Yeah, because I like, think about that, like some like like Hassan said, it's worth like thirty-two black people. <laughs> we need thirty-two black, people. <laughs> like for what? <laughs> I
2: thought
0: that was funny.
1: It was, it was.
0: But, but yeah, it was. Um, I think if anybody listening, they should look into affirmative action because it. I think it will start a, a conversation. And, like, whether you agree with affirmative action or not, mm-hmm. that's besides the point. It's more about understanding that there's a system in place that the reason, the, it's about the reasoning why we have to have some, like, affirmative action in place because there's really a system that keeps minorities, specifically black people, from and brown people. getting out the hole. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: native people. Agreed. I mean, it's an important cause to have an opinion on. Yeah. Regardless of if you support it or not. But ideally, hopefully you support it. Yeah. I mean, it was just on um, the ballot. La- was not last year, but the year before last, I think in California primaries or else federal primaries. I, no, I think it was it was California state primaries and it didn't pass. Mm. Um, Which is so, good. no, it's not good.
0: Like it didn't pass. Oh, wait, the affirmative
1: action. Way- it okay. didn't. It didn't pass. Oh, because in People California were, we don't have it. In California we don't. Have, they were like, no.
0: They haven't had it for a while. Huh?
1: I don't remember what it was specifically towards. So I have to actually do some research on that now that I'm like actually <laughs> I'm talking about it. I remember voting for it, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I can't for at this point remember the specifics of it. But I mean, it it is on legislation actively.
0: Well, and I will say though, in California, not saying that it doesn't truly need it but i will say california is an outlier cuz people try to use, other states try to use california as like a no nah. as an example
1: no nah, i disagree huh i highly disagree actually okay yeah california i mean for a, as progressive and as much of a bubble as we are we still have deep 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 roots of white supremacy especially here in northern california if you go to um auburn if yeah. you go if you go hike hidden valley uh Trails or Hidden Falls? I'm sorry, Hidden Hidden Valley. That's the ranch brand. Yeah. Nice. But um, Hidden Falls is in Auburn. You'll see on the map that there's. Well, first of all, uh, in Northern California, there is a town that's known as Hangtown, which has to oh, do. Yeah. You I know, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. But in, in Hidden Hidden Falls, if you look at the map, you'll see the the stream. The creek has two names first is called the first part of the creek is called Coons Creek this is on the state map yeah for for this hiking trail yeah Coons Creek yeah. and as you move further along down Coon Creek it's called Dead man's Creek yeah and if you look at the trees when you go there they look like um, like like hanging rituals like the the tree limbs are curved and hung over as if we have had ancestors who once lost their lives there yeah and that's an it's an important part of california history that we don't talk enough about lynching happened very much and happens still in california yeah so i mean for as much of a bubble and progressive as we have the reputation of we're not excluded from it needing to be taken very seriously yeah you know what i mean
0: and i'm not i'm not saying i'm not saying um I was talking in the in the aspect of of the colleges, but mm. I will say, and this is me, obviously telling how I how I've experienced life in California. Mm. I feel like California, because it's progressive, that all that's created is made people have to be more crafty with how they go about things. It's more covert. Um, when you go to Houston, it's like. Black people do what black people, white people do it, white people, that's just what it is.
1: Yeah. It's much more explicit.
0: And I feel like that's, for lack of a better term, better, Yeah. because it's like you know what you're dealing with, Mm. versus here, someone could be in your house in your face, like, kiki smiling, laughing about you, but when they really go home, they really hate you with with all they're being, but they know they live in a place where that can't really happen. But if they they get you to a point, but like I said, that's not going to stop them from doing whatever's possible. You know, like I'm, I'm not. Yeah. Like
1: I, I, I mean, I'm saying the same thing as you. It's that you could be hiking a regular, everyday California nature trail, and it could also be the location of a KKK rally.
0: Exactly. That's all I'm saying. Exactly. You know, and I, I don't. I wasn't. That wasn't the point I'm making. That like racism is gone. Not, not yeah. All, yeah. Or white supremacy at all. Yeah. It was more like they try to use my example because there are. Our colleges tend to be more diverse. Yeah. Without affirmative action, but it, I think it's only because
1: it's much more more covert here. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like we're gonna let you have a job. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're gonna let you go to college, but like, my mom went to college and got a degree, and she doesn't go. To, she doesn't work in her field. <laughs> you know, like not saying it's specifically that, but it's like it's hard yeah. not to think it's that. Yeah. So, I agree Yeah I, I definitely agree Don't ever get it twisted like that Not saying you Pacific No but anybody listening, We're on the same page Yeah that We're California is not Racist Cause that's what I'll go I'll go into that another time But that whole ideology That Aren't we past this No Yeah We're not past this
1: Not at all No state has passed it
0: <laughs> But I will say
1: We're the furthest Probably Oh <laughs> Maybe I don't know
0: it Depends who we you had, ask
1: We had some people In the insurrection
0: <laughs> arrested
1: too, so yeah,
0: no, yeah, exactly. You know so what I like, mean. So I wanted to talk about because you have a YouTube channel, and it was called. Is that Radical Transparency? Yes. So you have. She has a like a. Is it a series? It's a series. It's a series called Radical Transparency, um, and the one that I watched was Deep Insecurities, which is a really good one. Mm-hmm. And it's like she does like these like almost like monologues. I guess we agree that they are monologues yeah. of like her experiences in life and like her wisdom that she's gained from that. If you haven't, I will say go check it out.
1: Yeah, check out Cloud 11 on YouTube.
0: Cloud 11. <laughs> so, but I was watching it and it was like, it was like really thought provoking, especially for like, it's for me, if I'm, I'm, I'm good at having a conversation with myself in my head, but it's hard to verbalize that. Mm-hmm. And I really need to springboard to like back and forth um i really admire that you can do that by -hmm. yourself and i'm pretty sure a lot of that this goes back to your communication like style to be able to self-reflect
1: yeah thank you
0: but i wanted to you said something where you i wanted you expand on where at your last job that you talked about where it was predominantly like data analysts which i could see why people would be less social there but like how do you feel about that idea of like being let go and then also before that, having the implication of saying like things like you're just too social for this position. Like, what is that like?
1: Well, I mean, I, I will be fair in the fact that I do talk a lot. Like in, in fifth grade, I did get in trouble. Maybe <laughs> for can talking
0: give so context?
1: Sure, okay. Okay. I can give a little context.
0: Then, I mean, what you're comfortable with.
1: Yeah, I mean, I took so I took this job on thinking I was going to make a huge social change with <laughs> affirmative action and helping corporations be more inclusive and more aware about improving their again, their like hiring trends, their promotion trends, their recruitment trends, their termination trends. Yeah. But unfortunately, they really wanted somebody to be quiet and do the work. They wanted people, they wanted someone to be quiet and do the work. (laughs) And so that's where the being too social comes in, is that I was not quiet and I didn't just do the work. First of all, I don't just trust, I don't blindly trust leadership. That's a big part of it. I question. I have lots of questions that I need answers to for me to perform at the capacity that people want me to perform at. Yeah. The thing is I can perform, but I have to have respect and I have to have a why for me to perform. So for you, you, for, for an organization like this one to expect me to just compile reports, affirmative action plans and the data is suggesting that there's severe disparity. Yeah. And for me to not have an emotional reaction to it is just untoward to me. I I can't do that, you know. Other other staff who don't perhaps identify <laughs> as closely to the people who are being in the who are in the in the in the data in the data, and are having the disparities that they're see, that they're having in the dis, in in the data. Maybe I understand you can just do this as work, but for me, I can't. Yeah. So I'm a people person in the sense of like. I relate to the data in a very personable way. It's very personified for me, mm. but also I'm a people person in that. I like to make relationships at work. And yeah. if I don't have strong relationships, I'm not going to be a good worker. And that's pretty much what happened.
0: And I think it's crazy too, because like when you hear the idea of like your two socials, like when you, when you look at the thing where it's like, I think people spend like 30% of their lives at work or something like that. It's like, if I spend one third of my life, in a job, I'm not allowed to, like, try to build some kind of relationship. Like, I spent eight hours here, Mando, just to, to exist. Like, and exist, I mean, in, like, in a sense of, like, pay my bills. So, yeah. it's, like, it's crazy for me to think, like, oh, you're just, you're too you're too talkative. And, like, I get it, like, if you're, like, not doing your job, but it's, like. I
1: mean, there are were, there were times where, like, you know, conversation with my peers was more important than me meeting a deadline to an extent. But mostly because the conversations I was having with peers related to my competency in the work I was doing. Like, I I was in training. So for me, Uh, it was more about understanding the why behind the work I was doing as opposed to just doing the work that I was doing. Yeah. You know, but to my employer, it was about getting that shit done and getting it done efficiently and effectively.
0: I will say from the because I've been taking some courses on like data analyst stuff and i can definitely see that mm-hmm. cuz it's like you you they just throw this data at you interpret the data and give me the insights on this data and it's like like you said it's hard um it's hard to do that like how like like i think it takes a special kind of person <laughs> to look like you said especially like i mean it depends on the data too like i said especially the data you're looking at where it's like you're working for an a advocacy-like company. And it's like, so how can you not see this data and, like, get passionate about change? It's mm-hmm. like, no, it's just, this is what the data says. Like, that's crazy to me. Yeah. I, like, I
1: thought it was expecting, <laughs> it was unrealistic expectations placed on me for you for you to ask of me as a black woman to not be emotional or not be connected to the data that I'm working with. Um, that's just unrealistic for me, yeah. You know, I'm seeing myself in this data, is that at the, I'm seeing people that I know and love in this data, yeah. You know, so but of course, if it's a predominantly white space, they're not going to see it that way, yeah. They which either. I
0: guess that's why they would thrive in that because, like, oh, it's just numbers, it's just numbers, <laughs> it's just data, yeah. It's just what the numbers say, which is crazy, you know. So, I wanted to ask you too because you said, um, Because especially, like, you know, the big argument when people working from home, when it came to the office situation, although, did you want to touch Did, did I, I don't want to move away from that. Do you have something you want to say about no. it? No. No? I want I don't, you know, I'm, I'm, You're good. I just want to make sure. It's weird, like, when I think about COVID and everybody was working from home, you know, people, they said the quality of life went up for people because they were just, you know, if I'm going to work eight hours, working at home is like a better alternative than going to this office. But people are like, oh, I want people to work in the office because it's better for team building. It's, like, weird that y'all pushing this narrative. But, like, in a situation where you were in where it's, like, there is no social, like, there is no social, like, room for, for social circumstances because, like, no, we have these deadlines that need to be met and that's more important than...
1: If anything, they're arbitrary deadlines, too. The yeah. ones I was meeting. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and you think about too what's the deadline for
1: because because we said we'd give it to the client by then you mean we can't (laughs) we can't push that out because we're training somebody who needed more time
0: yeah you didn't take that into account account.
1: they're not missing any governmental deadlines yeah you get what I'm saying like the real inconvenience is just that we didn't we didn't follow through with what we said and I think that there should be space anyway there should be space for that but
0: so I wanted to say like how do you feel about the ideology like if do you, so I, I, the point I want to make is like do you feel like jobs like that should even be allowed to be like in an office setting like I feel like they need to be you, it, it needs to be
1: yeah I think, I think I mean, there should be no no job environment that you know disregards the personification of data. Mm-hmm. like data is still people
2: mm.
1: and people are still people mm. everybody needs to feel a sense of belonging that's an important part of the human experience interesting and so if you are to expect people to contribute to a work environment where they don't get to connect with people or that's not the priority then you're not going to get the best out of people oh 100 you know what i mean synergy yeah. is crit- critical to high quality work yeah so, am I even? Am I, Did I even hear your question? Like, you know, am I, am I answering your question?
0: I don't know. I'll, I'll say the question again. I, I'll basically say, like, do you feel like jobs like this are better off in a in a in an office environment, or is that something that because it seemed like they're like a deeply if they want you to be deeply antisocial, like why why make you go to the office?
1: that's a good you know what that's actually a good point <laughs> because if they really had a problem with it, they really should have just kept having me stay at working at home <laughs>
0: yeah um because i guess the, the true issue is like people are pushing like like i said they do see these num- as numbers and it's like i need to get this job done you know like a true paper pusher yeah um but it's like i think about it too is like what synergy do you I can see the synergy you need, especially as a trainee. Yeah, you know, you, you need to shadow somebody, understand what I'm doing. But it's like, what what synergy are you pushing other people? If you if like this, if this guy and this guy are both good at their job, why do they need to work together in this space? Mm. Um, but I do think there's something to be said about specifically about what you're talking about about the personification of data because it is crazy. It's it's weird to get data. Because my next question is, what are you using data for?
1: Okay. And and the other thing is, you know, just because I'm more social doesn't mean I'm less accurate. Yeah. You know, there are people who might be more efficient than me but are not accurate. Yeah. And that's what I was finding in the workplace I was working in. There would be data errors and all sorts of things by the most expert person <laughs> who who didn't prioritize relationships. And so, because I'm more sociable and perhaps a little less efficient, but I would argue accurate, you know, in comparison to this person who's less personable, but more efficient, i.e. being able to push out more affirmative action plans than I can in a certain amount of time. But again, probably not as accurate. Yeah. Uh, no- you know, I, I don't think that there's that one is better than the other. Yeah, I think both are valuable.
0: Well, I, I, I'm a, I'm I'm one to say one's better than another. Mm. I feel like be able to person personify the data or understand the the person, the archetype that you're starting to build with that data is important. Me, and my cousin talked about this the other day. If your data says that pregnant women who go to target for diapers are more likely to spend money on groceries if i see that as a man i wouldn't understand why i just understand they do it but if as a woman it's like oh yeah cuz when i'm pregnant i don't want to go to another store i'm tired <laughs> so i'd rather just buy the groceries even if they might cost 20 cents more mm-hmm. on the dollar and it's, like, it's stuff like that where it's, mm. like, if you don't understand, and I can see, like, if you're more a social person, because even if, even if you are a man, if you, didn't like, you know, you're, like, a single man, like, you never, had, you know, you never, you don't have a wife who's pregnant or, like, I understand that, like, recognize that in other people. Mm-hmm. Something like that, too. It's, like, I can see that being very important. Yeah. Because now you can, it's one thing to know something. And that's all that is, you know something. This is what I know about the data. But, like, if you have some form of social skills or some you can form feel of... feel ex- that. Yeah, some, yeah, exactly.
1: Like, I feel you. Yeah. You know, I, I think about... I, I don't mean... Sorry for interrupting. That's no, okay. But I think about in higher ed, you know, where I work, there is a trend of not being able to retain black women in particular. And instead, there's a trend of hiring... Um, international black people you know and and retaining them Mm -hmm. and you know as a black woman having considered leaving higher education because of how i felt not appreciated how i felt like my experiences with students were completely different than my counterparts which which they are you know but they're that's i feel that experience firsthand and Whereas, you know, you have somebody who's doing these affirmative action plans. It's just a number. It's just a number of a black woman lost. You get what I'm saying? like. Yeah. But when you, yeah, when you feel that, you can give context as to why that black woman is lost. And that information is just as important as knowing that black women are being lost at a yearly annual rate.
0: Well, yeah. And it, not to mention, like, I feel like data is misleading in the sense of, like, yeah. you can look at it like the retention rate of, of black women is low. So it's better not to hire a black woman because she's gonna quit. Instead of realizing, like, well, no, the the way the reason because it's low is because, like you said, a black woman joins the workforce and the environment's like not to, suitable for her. Yeah, she's in an environment that one doesn't recognize her as a black person, but also as a woman. So it's like for her, it's a lot more taxing than than some other other type of person. Yeah, and it's like stuff like that, like. Mm. And it's like, I guess it's tough to say because, you know, as a data analyst, your job is only just to crunch the data and yeah. let the other person figure that 100%. out. 100%. And I guess that's what it boils down to is like, I guess their job is to get the data and then pass it to the next person so they can look at it and be like, okay, so let's figure this out.
1: What should have happened is that I got promoted to being a consultant.
0: <laughs> or yeah, or they, yeah, if they were <laughs> like, smart, like, well, maybe, you know, maybe this is not for you. Maybe we can get you somewhere else instead of like... Now nah, you got to go, dog.
1: She Like, exactly. Instead of <laughs> kicking me out like, oh, she's hella smart. Let's reposition her into something that would better suit the intelligence that she brings. Yeah. Maybe data analyst isn't yeah. what what serves her best, but this insight that she has is really useful. And so we've got clients that are being audited. Maybe she's going to be able to ask them questions that can help them in their audit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but anyway.
0: Oh, I'll, I'll, but I, that leads into the question, like, do you feel like, and this is the hot take I put in there is like do you feel like socialites you know people who are like creative like creative minded and like more think about what think about the work that they're doing do you feel like there's even a space for them in the in corporate america right now uh, especially way that the structure right now
1: I don't only because I think corporate america is very much about rules, regulations and policies and following them it's about efficiency, it's about being um yeah, a rule follower. And I think socialites and creatives are nonconformists by nature. So you're, you're putting nonconformists into an environment that expects conformity. And, you know, that's not compatible at all. Yeah. You know, so I, I do think that at least corporate spaces, they could... The thing is, like, corporate spaces, they need creativity. They need personality to resonate with consumers, but the reality is of, like, retaining these types of people is probably very difficult. And if anything, creatives and socialites become very disposable, you know, because, again, of nonconformity.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Creatives are here to disrupt the norm. They're here to call out the things that we're not really seeing on a day-to-day. And so Weird. sometimes that means corporate corporate spaces would need to change these things that are being identified. But... Most often, they don't want to change these things in order to maintain again the consumers that they have. it's like a double edged sword to an extent. It's like an
0: infinite loop. Yes. What? And I think I think that when I think about it, like my own personal experiences, like for me, like it's a difference between efficiency and like being effective. You know? Mm, yeah. Uh, and there's books that prove that. I think it's forty forty of forty hour work a four hour work week. He talks about that ID, that ideology, which is like like I work at a job. It's like, why would I, why would I do it this way if there's like redundancy in that? Like, trying to think, I'm trying to think of like a real world situation, like something like a host. What's the point of a host? Like I understand the point of a host as like someone who worked in that space, but it's like you've seen, we see businesses where it's like um, fast casual, Mm -hmm. where it's like a host isn't needed, Mm. you know, things like that where it's like, and that's obviously a creative person who like saw that and was like, well, what happened if we mix these two ideologies together? Like just because it's fast food doesn't mean it can't be personable, you know, things like that where it's like. It's, it, it is hard for a creative to come into a space because, they, yeah, they learn it, but then because of their brain or because of the way they see, see the world, their next thing is like, how can I make this better? And a lot of peop, a lot of times when you're at a job, especially you have a manager who's a newer manager, it's like, bro, I'm just trying to get this thing going. I'm not what trying you, to make change. Yeah, you're trying to make changes. I'm just trying to do, like I said, the guy before me, he did this, and I'm trying to do what he did for the next 30, 40 years and retire. Like, and, like, I go through that even, like, at some of the jobs I have now where it's, yeah. like, why would we tell the customer what we're charging them? It's, like, what do you mean? Why would we let the customer know what we're charging them? We just – it's including the price. They don't, Whatever they don't know don't hurt them. And, like, there's truth to that, but it's, like, why not create an open – you know, my thing is if, we're, if you're going to spend all this money, why not have an open discussion about what you're actually spending your money on? Yeah. To let you know why you should, you know –
1: Getting yourself into.
0: Yeah, exactly. Type deal. Create so,
1: a different type of trust with the with the consumer. Yeah. But that requires change.
0: Yeah. So yeah. it's like stuff like that where it's like, I'm not saying, either, like you said, there's no right or wrong answer. I feel like it depends yeah. on the business. Yeah. Because like for a data analyst, you know, maybe it is a better position for somebody who's going to crunch numbers. I
1: mean, that's where we are at
0: in society right
1: now. <laughs> Society's not ready for the changes oh, no. that a lot of creatives and socialites would
0: offer. But I will say to that, I feel like creatives are also that's why also creatives are paid usually they get if they can find their way they get paid way more
1: but usually it requires conforming to get to that place
0: um depends what you mean
1: either either you got to conform and work your way up the ladder mm. or you are there and they value your creativity but only for so long
0: oh, i was talking about something completely different i was, what talking, about, talking, about? I was talking about like for a creative to thrive in corporate America Is that they will have to like Basically like I said Leave that situation And like you see people Like do consulting
1: Yeah Be a freelance agent
0: Yeah Or like I go start my own firm And you come to me To deal with the stuff That you don't want to hire somebody to do And our Because of I understand creativity I'm going to hire a certain way And that's going to help You know Help you out Yeah It's like that's and obviously you get paid more For that situation So it's like it's like it is a weird like ebb and flow. But like yeah. like you said, it's as a creative, I feel bad for the person who has to go work at McDonalds as a creative. Yeah. Or like a grocery store.
1: Or a private consulting firm for affirmative action yeah. plan. My bad. I was talking about too. Like <laughs> no, it's what, okay. what, how do you feel about it? No, I I I agree. I think it's um suffocating. It's a suffocating experience to be creative and have solutions that are uh, possibly Transformative and to be Asked to not share them and Asked to just be quiet Keep your head down and do your work That's just disempowering And to an extent Dehumanizing depending on who you are So um, Yeah I, don't know, I agree with you I, I, I agree on 100% with you
0: So do you feel like um, I'm gonna make another hot take I feel like it's better that the corporate America like is not good for creatives yeah it's we, better for all the, for the majority of people
1: we, we, we've created our own corporate space you get what I mean yeah and I, I do think that there's freedom and liberation in that instead of conforming although there's beauty and collaboration and 100%. compromise I don't think that society is there yet I don't think that that's the normal way to uh, problem solve. I think competing is. And unfortunately, until we are out of that competing mindset in corporate America, well, we're going to need to have our own corporate space as creatives. Well, I
0: even feel like thinking about the people who are simple, the simple people, mm-hmm. the people who don't want a life of grandeur, who don't who are OK with like, you know, not owning anything. And I know it sounds like kind of rude, but I'm not meaning like in a different way. Like let's literally like what people told me, like, yeah, I don't want a house. I don't yeah. want none of that. I don't I just want a nice car and, Simple I life. It, and I'm OK with working 40 hours a week with no vacation. Like I feel like putting them in the position where it's like you have to actually apply yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Could be detrimental. And I yeah. feel like a lot of people are more like that. We're like, listen, I don't I want these things because other people want these things. I don't really want like I don't really care. I just want to go to work and clock in. I know a lot of people say that. Like, I, just, I go clock in and buy the stuff I want. Like,
1: but I don't want to facilitate
0: the change. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah.
1: And being creative is a gift. It's not a, it's not a skill everybody has.
0: It's, it takes a lot of accountability. Yeah. Because to be creative means I'm going to try this idea, and if it doesn't work, I'm going to agree. I'm going to say that my idea didn't work.
1: And possibly come up with something else yeah. until you find something that does work.
0: Should we be honest? Some they don't even get that chance. Sometimes, most times we don't. <laughs> yeah, you get fired and get to go to the next place. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Real. So, I don't know. I, I I think that was a pretty thing. It, um, is there anything like? Is there anything you want to expand on that? Because I, I mean, granted, it was it was your monologue, and I I, I advise everybody who's listening to this to go watch it and get a better idea of what we're talking about, and come back to this. Like I wanted, to like, what you, is there anything like?
1: I mean, I think my number one takeaway and and I guess gift of wisdom I have from that experience is other people's truths don't have to be your truth. I yeah. mean, I think I think there was a lot of beauty that I brought to that space as far as knowing things that needed to be changed mm-hmm. in that environment but if they're not ready for it, they're not ready for it and me being a social person as a, being used as an excuse to let me go is their truth. But again, I'm not internalizing that. I don't think there's anything wrong with me being a people person and I think there's a lot of beauty in that actually. So, that's that's what I'm walking away with is like not internalizing that truth, letting that <laughs> be theirs and walking away with my truth. You know. Yeah, I wanted to important it's important to be able to know how to do that when um, you're in a position like that.
0: There was one more thing you said in that, and that was, there was this line. And it's not a quote, This is going to be like a...
1: Loose paraphrase.
0: Yeah, you're like, about being uncomfortable in the presence of someone who has changed. Yeah. Like, you were talking about that towards the end, where you're just talking about like being, I guess kind of like being okay with yourself, and it's like how... I guess people in your past, yeah. it seems like you were saying is that now that they're around you, they feel a ways. And I want you to like, how, like, ex- like, what were you, what were you meaning when you said that? Well,
1: it's just, I think people have an idea about who you are and they're committed to that idea as a truth, you know, whether that's past or present people. I think my current, my, my previous employer had an idea of who they thought I was going to be in that space. Okay. And they were committed to that. And then they realized that's not who I am. And the same with my previous, you know, previous friends. I, you know, moved in with a friend and she knew me as one way, which was depressed and sad and unhappy. And in my time living there, I got a lot of help. I outgrew that that place. And that's what she and I resonated on together.
0: Trauma minded.
1: Yeah, I guess you could call it trauma bonding. Yeah, and as I started to outgrow that, it seemed like the more healthy I got, the less uh, relatable mm. I was. And e- even though she told me at one point, "You used you used to be so much fun to hang out with," <laughs> as if that was a permanent place for me. Like that, like I have be- now become this unfun friend that yeah. you can no longer have fun with. When the the reality is, we just don't resonate anymore. In the same way. And while that might be your truth that I used to be so much fun, I still am. I'm just a different type of fun. And maybe you just don't resonate with that fun. But that doesn't mean that I'm less fun than I used to be. You know what I mean? Like, that is her truth. Her truth is I, I used to be so much fun and I'm not anymore to her. But to me, the changes that I have seen, that I have grown into, I'm still a great, fun person just in a new and a different way. And that might be uncomfortable to you. Yeah. To a way that you have to put me down, and basically, you know, assume that I'm no longer any fun. When again, that's a very limiting belief that I don't have to. I don't have to agree with.
0: And I think too is like I think important to stand it to think about that. Like I think about that. Like you say, you think about something like because the first thing that comes to me is like I'm like I said I'm ignorant. Mm-hmm. The first thing that comes to mind for me is like. When I realize, like something like, oh, if I drink all the time or I smoke all the time, it's a detriment to my health. And you know, I want these things in life, so I want to focus more on my health and my longevity life. And then you tell that to somebody like, yeah, I don't smoke no more. Oh, you lame. Oh, you- oh, and we and like I said, especially if you're a black person, you hear that all the time, oh, mm-hmm. you lame. You don't smoke. You don't drink. Oh, you lame. Like, and it's like. It's one thing to like not like you said to be like oh, okay, but it's like dang to like like you said they trying to make you like <laughs> trying to make you feel so bad about it like like you're like you're doing something wrong like wow, you really you really going to you gonna really turn gonna vegetarian? Get,
1: you're going to get healthy? Yeah. Really?
0: You be vegetarian? Oh yeah. You, you're not going to come hanging out tonight cuz you got gym at 10? Yeah, yes. Oh yeah, you see you just you different. I I could I couldn't like I say you used to be so much fun now you now you go to sleep at 9. <laughs> like what now you go to sleep at nine so you can get up early and go Mm -hmm. to the gym like you know i was like dang like but it's like it's like this weird like paradox like yeah why am i fun when i was doing self-destructive behaviors that's
1: uh, exactly (laughs) and this comes back all the way to the beginning of what you asked as a good friend or what's a friend like a friend is gonna root for you a friend is going to support that, that yeah. change. They're not going to speak against it. They're not going to, you know, be uncomfortable about your change. They're going to support that. They're going to cheer you on in that. They're going to want what's best for you. So, you know, I feel like that for me has become a a, a way for me to filter through who's still my friend, mm. or who is my true friend versus, you know... Who I've been trauma bonded to. Mm. You know, if, if you're not rooting for me, if you're not about my my positive progress, uh-huh. then I don't think you're a real friend. You might be an acquaintance. Yeah. You might be demoted to to acquaintance.
0: Yeah. That, that's where I think is that, dem, that mo- demotion. Right. Because, like, I feel like people are in your life for seasons and some people are in your life for life. But I. I mean, I hate, it's not, I don't think anything wrong with realizing that people, some people might just be in life for a season. Like, yeah. I, my middle school friends, I don't think we could relate now. Same thing, like, with some of my high school friends, like, yeah, we can't, you know, relate. Like, you know, like,
2: yeah.
0: and it's like, and that's the thing is like, I think the hardest part nowadays when it comes to like, because like when I think about like why they do what they do is because it's like, they feel like now that you don't do the same thing cause they met you at that place they wouldn't be offended by it I think it's the fact that they know that you used to do it too and they change it's like almost they're offended that like it's like why would you change like this is a bad thing and it's like to me it was that doesn't mean you're a bad person it's just yeah it I wasn't good for me yeah like yeah like listen if you you want to live your life in infidelity that's cool I just don't condone that <laughs> that is your truth yeah you I, know? I just realized that you know, that don't work. <laughs> if you want, you know, if you're talking about you want to get married, it's, it's hard to say, I want to get married and also support. <laughs> Have
1: hearts. Yeah. yeah you like, know what I mean? Yeah. you so, cannot be a walking contradiction.
0: Exactly. So I think, and it's like weird. You know, like, most of us are. I think we've all been there, though. Like, you yeah. know, like, I'm, I'm guilty of the, the uncle that changed his life. Like, why nigga tripping? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, it's so corny of me to like, when I go back and think about it, it's like, bro, I, if anything, he was... I'm thinking he corny, cause ah uh, he trying to, he stopped eating pork and now he go to church. uh, he corny. This is being ignorant. Come on, I look back on it like, eh, you know what? <laughs> if I pay attention, maybe he was on to he was on to something.
1: Listen, <laughs> if Unc is still around and kicking at ninety, a hundred years old because he changed his life for the better, yeah. Like in the long run, your judgments mean nothing to me. Yeah. So again like that is your truth about me and you are welcome to have that you're welcome to hold on to that but i'm gonna take this truth about me and walk in faith and walk in you know confidence and Mm -hmm. not let your truth undermine my own
0: like you said what people think about me aren't the truths i think that's yeah and that's like you said period
1: it doesn't have to be your truth unlike with kanye he could listen a little more you know, I mean some it's people area. Are you
0: you're but, not you're just because you make a billion dollars does not mean you're above <laughs> you know what I mean you're you're above feedback. So let me ask you. We're two hours in. Okay. Is there anything else you want to talk about?
1: <laughs> <laughs> mm, let me check my notes. I think we've we've hit pretty much everything. Yeah, no, we've hit everything I had, I brought my thoughts on today. Okay, good. Do you have anything else that you want to add? I think we had we're a good conversation. About? Yeah. You know? Yeah, thanks for letting me be here for two hours.
0: I mean, thank you for <laughs> being here with me for two hours, you know? Yeah. You could be doing anything else. I mean, I, I'm I'm always, I, I try to be gracious, like, you know? Aww. I got a rat's nest of cables right here. <laughs> you know, we're in a coffee shop. <laughs>
1: Everybody's pretty much cleared out since we first started.
0: I know, right? In Oak Park. Represent. How's it feel to be having a mic in your hand again? I'll ask you that.
1: I feel at home. Yeah. My comfort zone.
0: You feel comfortable?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I got a lot of (laughs) pent-up opinions out. out. You know what I mean? Stuff I've been holding on to and not putting anywhere.
0: She's like, I had to, listen. I got to let y'all know.
1: He's like, I had thoughts ready today mm-hmm. and I shared them. So I'm feeling good.
0: That's good. So I may, let's end it on a light note. Okay. Let me think. Do you feel like pineapple belongs on pizza? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Preferably. Preferably. <laughs> yes. Wow.
1: Pepperoni and pineapple is personally my favorite topping combination. Why? I love the salt—the salty sweet combo.
0: Do you not feel like the sweetness throws off? Like you don't feel like that's like there's not a, another thing that's sweet that's not as you know. That's
1: the best part. What other topping is going to be be a perfect sweet and salty combo? What other sweet topping on pizza are you going to get? Barbecue sauce, tomatoes. Tomatoes aren't sweet.
0: Roasted tomatoes—they're kind of sweet.
1: Maybe sun dried, and even yeah, those, maybe are sun-dried. those are tart. Sun dried. Those are tarts.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean. A it's nothing vine. like a good pineapple. We had this argument today when we were cleaning up at the church, and I, I, you know I like to I always like to play devil's advocate because I made a, and I, I think I'm gonna bring it up because I made a good point. I feel like I made a good point. Okay, I'm here. I'll, I'll listen. I said because the guy, a lot, it was only one guy who didn't like pineapples on his pizza. I'm indifferent to. It. I would I would never put it on there, but if it's on the pizza. I'm gonna eat it. Okay. I'm not gonna be like, oh, y'all ruined the pizza, but. You're not gonna disrespect it. No, I'm not gonna order the pizza. Like, I'm not. And hey, you wanna put the pineapples on it? Uh, no. If I'm paying for it, no. <laughs> but, like, but I made the argument, which was, it was off the off the cuff. I said, I said, if you think about it, bro, I said, do you like charcuterie boards? He said, yeah. I said, I said, it's like that same concept. It's like salami on, on the plate, there's olives on the plate. And there's dried that, apricot. Yeah, there's like some sweet on the plate. And you don't eat it separately. You eat it together. So it's like, well, if you eat salami and, you know, some honey or some, or some apricot jam or some, why can't you eat pineapple on pizza? It's different. I love charcuterie burger. It's different. I'm like, is it though? You get a cracker with some cheese and some salami and some, and some marmalade. Mm, that sounds good. Why can't you get... You know, crust. It's like a cracker.
1: Some melted cheese. Some cheese.
0: A little bit of marinara.
1: Do
0: you like your marinara sweet? Yes. Like a lot of sweet or like?
1: It's an even blend of sweet and salty.
0: Interesting. Last question. What's your favorite pizza? Like thin crust, thick crust, deep dish?
1: I like both deep dish or thin crust.
0: But prefer, like if you, they're like, listen, it's your last pizza. How you going out?
1: I think I'm going to go thin crust. Soft thin crust. Not the crispy cracker-like thin crust. I'm talking about like New York thin crust.
0: Like you can fold it.
1: Like you can fold it, yeah. Interesting. That's what I'm going for. Okay. Greasy and cheesy.
0: Grease. It has to be greasy. Yeah. Like if I don't get acne the next day after eating this pizza, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like not happy this with the trans. This wasn't it. Uh, yeah. Well, because like... I'm a cynic. I'm a, I'm cynical. I want, if I'm gonna eat, if I'm gonna go for it, we gonna go for it. I accept the repercussions. Yeah, I don't want the uh, the gluten free crust. <laughs> what the low fat? Listen, give
1: me the grease. Give me the cheese, pepperoni, and the pineapple.
0: I want the the bread and Extra the pineapple. Cheese. Yep. Oh, no pineapple. Yeah, like, I got you to say yeah though. <laughs> I was like no pineapple. We'll, we'll do mushrooms. Okay. I'm more a classic like mushroom basil. Maybe some sun-dried tomatoes I'm feeling crazy.
1: My mom likes, she likes sausage, mushrooms, and pineapple.
0: That's crazy.
1: Yeah. So you wouldn't do that one either? I think you could become a pineapple fan if you just... My mom likes pineapple. Like, I'm not against
0: it. It's just for me, like, like... I think
1: you should try ordering it on your pizza that's next crazy. time you order it. I would never, <laughs> never put that on my jacket. half of the pizza.
0: I would <laughs> never put that on my jacket where it's like, that's the guy who ordered <laughs> pineapple last time? Like, nah, don't ever... <laughs> I don't ever want that to be, like, part of me. I don't, if you see me eating it, like, oh, yeah, you know, I ain't had nothing left. But, like, I, you know what it is? You know what it bothers me about it? Mm. It's not the pineapple itself. I feel like they just don't care. I feel like whoever's putting it on there got, got pineapple juice. And it's, like, <laughs> and they throwing it on there. Because, like, it has been times when I'm, like, okay, I'll pick it off. And it's almost, like, the same conversation we had about the pickles. <laughs>
1: You can still taste you, it. You
0: can taste the pineapple juice. It's like, dang, bro, what did y'all do?
1: You put the whole can on here? Yeah, it's like, it don't taste like,
0: <laughs> it don't taste like it was the top, and it tastes like y'all made pineapple-based sauce, too.
1: Personally, I don't feel like they ever put enough pineapples oh, on my heck. pizza. Now, now we're getting crazy. Sometimes I got to ask for extra. <laughs> now <laughs>
0: now that's crazy. Do you still dip it in ranch after you put the pineapple
1: on? I don't use ranch for my pizza. Now that's crazy. But sometimes I will.
0: So you don't put ranch on your pizza?
1: prefer marinara as my dip.
0: Double tomato That's yes. crazy <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's crazy That's not crazy Cause I definitely dip the, my, I'll eat the pizza dip the crust in the marinara You see what I'm
1: saying But like
0: the ranch though
1: Again remember I'm lactose intolerant So the ranch is a hitter It's, but it's gotta be good ranch too uh, I don't know Marinara you can never go wrong It's always gonna be good cause there's already marinara On the pizza
0: Yeah, the pizza's good, just like, oh, I trust the sauce. Okay. But, guys, hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. It was a good time. Appreciate you, Allie.
1: Thank you, Najara.
0: For sitting with me. Thank you. We have to do it again. I need to make more of these things. Yeah. I like potting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Part two coming soon. Just kidding.
0: Part two coming ASAP. But, guys, do me a favor. Stay black till I get back. Stay down and come up. And don't forget to smile. We out of here.
1: We outie.